Welcome to the fourth ever episode of the Video Store Junkies podcast, the podcast about movies and the experience of watching them. It's another Friday night in the video store and we're looking for a movie to bring to Zach's uncle's cabin. And what is better than a slasher when you're out in the middle of nowhere? Let's see if these guys have found anything that really captures their attention. Everybody ready? on the GPS is unworthy of global positioning. That's the whole point. Get off the grid, right? Hello? I'm thinking this thing doesn't take credit cards. Sign says closed. We're looking for, uh, what's it called? Tillerman Road. Not to get you there. Getting back. That's your concern. <laughs> This is awesome. Whoa, no way. Yes, tonight we are covering The Cabin in the Woods, a film with a brilliant take on the horror genre. We are notoriously bad at this, so I'm gonna throw you guys some intros. All right. Are you ready? All right. Um, I am going to start with someone um, who has had a, a, a very profound impact on my movie watching career. Um, that would be Par- Paul Cardulo. Oh, crap. I thought it was going to be Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, hey, this is Paul. Um, so I guess we need to start with, with what monsters, I guess. Is that or do we jump into something else? Oh, I'm uh, so sorry. I should have asked you. Uh, Paul... <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst at this. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> Paul, uh, what monster would you most like to face and which monster would you least like to face? And we are taking this from the monsters on the board. Um, gee, it's a toss up in terms of most want to face. One would be uh, uh, Reptilius, because that sounds like he could be a kaiju, which means <laughs> I, have a chance of, I have a chance of running away from him. Um, so uh, it was either that or sexy witches, but um, I think we'll go with Reptilius. And then least want to face, uh, goodness, uh, I think the dismemberment goblins, because uh, that just sounds too painful. <laughs> so um, so my, my relationship with this film is I remember when it was coming out um, and just psyched to see it. And I went and saw it with uh, my oldest, who was, goodness, what year was this? Was this 20? 2012? 2012. No. 2012. Yeah, it's 2012. Yeah, yeah so sorry. Okay. Okay, so he was like 15. Release date is 2011. It was released at a film festival in 2011, but it was only released wide in the U.S. in 2012. Oh, okay. Yeah. So my son was 16 at the time, and I remember just watching this and absolutely loving it. So that was the, the, the long shirt, my relationship with it. And to be honest, I don't think I've actually watched it since then. I have the had the blu-ray but i'm not sure if i ever popped it in <laughs> so until just the other night so and, and loved it just as much as okay. as when i saw it before great all right uh so we are going to get to this next guy here um you know you might think of yourselves as loyal friends but this guy he will cancel his plans at applebee's if he finds you dead in the shower and that would be bill mulligan hey I will. I will. Um, so let's see. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say favorite if i had to pick one of these it would be sexy witches because i know that's going to end horribly but at least for that for a few seconds i would think that actually i was in luck um you know it's got the word sexy in front of it so that's got to be good and i don't know as although i was thinking about kevin just because i want to know what the hell he is but that probably is is a you know curiosity killed the cat as far as the least you got to go with angry molesting tree I mean, if it was just a molesting tree, maybe maybe we could work something out. But this is an angry molesting tree. There's no reasoning with him. So, yeah, that would be the, the least one. And my relationship with this film is I saw it, I think, the day it came out. I ran out to see this because it's hard hard to explain to the kids these days. But there was a time when uh, you were allowed to love Joss Whedon. And <laughs> you, you looked forward to what he was going to come out with and this looked great and it's one of the but it's one of those movies that kind of broke my heart because i saw it i loved every minute of it and then i very quickly found out that mine was a maybe not a minority opinion but the movie going public didn't seem to respond to it the same way i did so sometimes things just work out that way yeah it's very unfortunate yeah. <laughs> uh so this next guy we have here uh it's probably an American citizen, the only American citizen banned from the country of Serbia. Um, <laughs> and probably the only person I know that could convince an ex to come over to their house with the intention of actually filming a horror film. Uh, that would be Alan Watkins. You know, I'm welcome in Serbia anytime. <laughs> um, I love their stuff. Anyway, um, so my, uh, the, the monster that I would want to face here um, and Keep in mind, I just saw this today, so I, I remember a lot of these guys. Um, I, I would face the twins. Um, I think I could, I, I mean, obviously probably not, but I, I think I could take them based on what I saw. Or maybe um, they just need a dad. Maybe. You never know. Um, now, the one that I would not want to face, um, well, I, I'm not going to be able to pick the one that I actually don't want to face. I think it might have been. There was something that was flying really fast, and you had no absolutely no shot of getting out of the way of it. I don't even know what that was, but the one that, that I bat saw creature that, thing. Well, I don't think it was the dragon bat. That was smaller. It was something else, hmm. but it might have been sugar plum fairy. Anyway, uh, the snake. Uh, there's that that the giant snake was like way too fast, and he killed people immediately. So, yeah, I'd take that angry and in tree any day over the giant snake. <laughs> Yeah, I think the giant snake was Reptilicus. So, Paul, you're... Oops, you're uh, yeah, no, 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 there, is a, there is a giant snake. There is a yeah. giant snake on the list. Oh, you're right. So I don't know right. what Reptilius was. There's oh. a scene where... Mm. I'll just show you a screenshot where you can see his leg. Okay. Oh, is that the one when he's on the monitor? Yes. Yeah, and there's okay. a girl and he, like, oh. sneaks up on her. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that was a good plan, Alan, Paul? Yeah. Oh, oh, and I'm sorry, my relationship to the I movie, was just um, going to ask, yeah. <clears throat> I, I do. I remember wanting to see this when it came out, and I didn't. So I waited until it, you know, came out on video and uh, watched it. And um, I want to say, I, I, I want to say today was my third time watching it because I watched it like alone because nobody thought it'd be any good. And then I was like, hey, this movie is really good. You should watch this. It's not like it's not like other horror movies. And so I watched it again mm -hmm. with you know some other people and then again i watched it between last night and today again 
So I've saved the best for last. And I don't know where we would be without this guy. He is the wind beneath our wings. And <laughs> I have so much more respect for him after putting all of this together. Um, and he's just the number one guy in this group. It's Zachary Edgerton. When you said you saved the best for last. I assumed you'd forgotten about me and you were just going yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I waited two years to watch this movie because back in 2010, when it was originally going to be released, like Bill mentioned, uh, being a Joss Whedon fan was acceptable. And that was a time, I think that was around the time that Dollhouse came out, which I loved. Uh, I Obviously, I was a huge fan of Firefly. So I heard that he was doing a horror movie. I was super excited got I, I just remember it having a lot of like buzz on the internet and then it got I'm, as i'm sure we'll talk about it got delayed for uh, about two years and i was very sad but i do remember watching it i actually watched it the the night before it came out because at the time i had worked at a theater for a very very long time and i knew a guy who ran a theater that i used to work with so he would always let me come and watch movies like right before they came out so uh so yeah it's one of those movies i waited a long time for but i think it was worth the wait and uh, in terms of, I, I think, you know, I was I was going back and forth on this because it feels like there are a lot of monsters in this movie that are very situational, right? Because they have the snowman on that list <laughs> and it seems like you'd be okay. You'd be pretty safe from him in certain situations. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to say uh, it's tough. I, I mean, the merman is obviously scary if you're, if you're in the lake, but when he's on land, he's not very threatening. Honestly, I'm probably going to have to say the unicorn, though, because I feel like you could probably outmaneuver the unicorn when you were in the cabin itself. I don't know. I mean, he's he's kind of got one trick, right? True. Well, yeah. unless he's like magical or something, in which case, I guess all bets are off. He's they a can unicorn. Of course he's magical. Yeah. Literally a one trick pony. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. you're out of here. Uh. And, See, uh, like, those are the kind of dad jokes that would actually endear the twins to you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I think I think the one I would least like to face is probably Kevin, just because who knows what that is. I actually know because I looked it up, but apparently, uh, apparently there's a novelization that he appears in. But yeah, I think I think Kevin's probably the scariest one out of all these. Okay, so spill. What was Kevin? Well, according to the Cabin in the Woods fan wiki, he's not seen during the film. In the novelization, Kevin is described as a quiet, normal-looking person with a small smile on his face who calmly walks through the post-purge chaos until he comes across an injured guard. He then proceeds to exsanguinate him in a second. When Dana finds the guard, he appears untarnished, but Dana, Dana had never seen anyone more dead. Due to the, his unre unremarkable appearance, any normal-looking human seen in the Purge could be Kevin. Which is actually kind of scary, because if, if you don't know you're in a Cabin in the Woods situation, and yeah. you summon him, and he just shows up, then you actually probably have no chance, because he'd probably pick you off one by one. And it's, some yeah, of but, his backstories are interesting. Do you know what was going to summon Kevin? Uh, I think it was supposed to be the film strip that, yeah. uh, oh, that the one guy is looking at. Yeah. Kevin. Yeah. I think that kills the joke. <laughs> what? I mean, the whole joke is that it's Kevin. I mean, that's that's the joke, right? Having yeah. having an actual thing for it kills it. Kind of it kind of does, yeah. It it Which, really does. It, to me, it's it's like it's really funny. Ask Kevin. And it's like, oh well, see, Kevin is this interdimensional. I'm like, forget it. You just ruined the whole thing. <laughs> no, it's just, just a normal just guy. Was, I'll spoil it even more for you. According in in IMDb, it says Kevin 
is a tribute to the Elijah Wood character of the same name in the movie Sin City. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, come uh, on, it's, it's on the internet. It's true. <laughs> remember <laughs> that character. <laughs> I remember the movie, but not that guy. I haven't seen that movie either. Uh. <laughs> Oh, it's been a lot. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. Uh, for good measure. Oh, oh, oh. Ooh, go ahead. I did want to throw this out there. This is the first movie that we've done that I've actually seen. Well, no, oh, God, no, I forgot you. You mean seen Sorry. before we? <laughs> well, hey, depending on what what order these things come out, this could be. Uh, well, for good measure, uh, I would. I'm gonna cheat and copy you because my the one I would most want to face is the unicorn, but for different reasons because I feel like I could horse whisper it and we could join forces and then it'd be like Shira and that would be great. Um, well, you know, you remember the unicorn, right? I mean, you remember him killing that beautiful. guy. Yeah, I mean, but he's only yeah. got that's all he can yeah. do, right? But Which, Alan, uh, he was that guy was a virgin. Seen. Well, that's the thing, right? I, I was I was very surprised Bill did not make a virgin joke when I mentioned the unicorn. Yeah, you go. <laughs> not being yeah. afraid of it. It took me <laughs> you a while. To you're getting old, yeah, Bill. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, and I think the doctors would be the worst because I just hate that whole. God, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, Fornicus, uh, the guy with the the mm. guy who's supposed to be like Hellraiser. Uh, that mm. no good will come of that either. I mean, that that's. I guess it depends know. on how you look at it, but. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't stop watch Bill. Sasquatch? Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't pick that oh, yeah. one. I, I would have, but with all the Sasquatch porn that's come out, I'm not sure how you would kill me. <laughs> then it could have been the worst. Uh, that, oh, yeah. Or best. Or best, or best. Yeah. <laughs> Depending yeah. on what you're into. Yeah. Wait, you're not sure how he would kill you because of the porn? What, do you have like something you can like blackmail him with and he wouldn't kill you? We'll explain it to you later, Alan. Am I uh, too subtle? Just I'm, Google I'm, Mr. Hands. No, I actually don't. Don't. I'm not Googling anything else that Zach tells me. Oh, no, not at all. And uh, listeners, please don't Google yeah. that either. <laughs> edit that out, Alan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Alan, edit that out. Edit yeah, that Alan. Out. Yeah. Alan. Um, okay. <laughs> That's edited out. Oh, my goodness. Um, so a little history on this film. Uh, they originally uh, were starting to work on it uh, in 2008 with an ETA of 2010. Uh, but ended up getting released in 2012, uh, like Zach mentioned, because uh, MGM was broke, I believe. Yeah. Is that what was happening? Yeah, I think I think it was MGM. This was around the time that they were also like, I think a couple other movies got delayed, right? Because I think the Hobbit movies were supposed to get made earlier, but they got delayed, which, you know, too bad they didn't just get canceled. But yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll just jump right into this. Director Drew Goddard. It is his directorial debut. Mm -hmm. uh, writers, Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon. Producer, Jason Clark. Executive producer, pardon me. Uh, music guy and composer. Uh, I don't want to screw up his la last name. David Julian? I've, I've always thought it was pronounced Julian, yeah. All right, great. Cinematography, that. Peter Denning. Uh, art direction, Tom Retta. Michael Diner. Kendall Elliott. Makeup by the AFX studio, uh, David Anderson, and I think everyone knows Heather Langenkamp, and a ton of other people to make all of those monsters. Mm -hmm. Is there anyone else that anyone would like to uh, give a shout out to? And do anybody have any thoughts on any of these people? I was blown away to find, I, I guess I, I'm sure I've heard this in the past, but I forgot that uh, Heather Langenkamp has gone into the makeup biz, and I think that's just awesome. Yeah. yeah, really cool. 
everyone yeah. did a great job there, there's no weak link in this film i agree yeah I, I think it's i think it's pretty obvious like even without knowing this that uh you know drew goddard and had actually worked with joss whedon a lot on buffy and angel mm -hmm. and uh, i think the script it's pretty self-evident from that but uh I thought that was yeah. kind of interesting. And I guess originally Joss Whedon was working on this with him, but Whedon was talking about directing it, but eventually I guess Drew Goddard ended up directing, directing it. Which is good because yeah. apparently one of the other uh, directors that they were thinking about, and I have no idea why they would be thinking about this was uh, Victor Salva. God. Oh, yep. Oops. Yeah. I, I, Cause they like Jeepers Creepers. Why you know, anyone I would like, consider listen, him for anything. I like Jeepers Creepers too. Um, but I wouldn't hire him for anything. It's just, I, you know, we don't need yeah. to get into all the horrible details and everything. I mean, I believe, you know, uh, people serve their time and great, but that doesn't mean, you know, no. So I, I don't know why this guy keeps getting, uh, chances to do something when yeah it's not he like he got be. a standing ovation at the oscars oh wait sorry all right moving on yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh my gosh uh alan anything uh from you no i mean i would just like to say as far as like directors and producers and you know best boys and all that good stuff i i couldn't care less and i don't keep up with it so if you told me that wow. Joe, if you told me that Joe Williams directed this, I would absolutely say, "Hey, that's great." I, I don't, I, I rarely, if ever, see the correlation between. Oh, this is obvious that you know about his work in the '80s on, <laughs> you know, whatever. It's completely over my head. I, I don't look at the director and say, "Hey, I'm watching that because he directed it." I simply look at what the movie's about to watch it. So, um, yeah, I just want to throw that out there, and if. Uh, there are others out there in the world like me. I'd love to hear from you. You know, that's why you're no, that's why you'll never be a Victor Salva because he cares about the oh best my boy. God, <sighs> I Too care soon. about the best boy. I just oh, oh. well. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. I, was gonna say, I always associate the film with with Joss Whedon, and and don't like Drew Goddard just kind of always drops off when I think about it. Like it's funny. It, it was always like oh Joss Whedon, and then. Well, Drew, like it was like, oh wait, I had to actually go back and go wait. Oh, he he didn't direct it. He just was he was a writer and producer, you know. Yeah. But it wasn't so. It's funny because you really associate it more him with it because he was sort of the the bigger name and the bigger face. Right. Like you said, Bill, back in the time, that was you know, oh, it's Joss doing a, a horror movie. Oh, cool. You know? He had his own track at Dragon Con. There was a oh, wow. Joss Whedon track, you know, and 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 justified, justifiable because of all the stuff there. And it is unfair. This feels like, you know, everyone calls it a Joss Whedon movie. It certainly reads like it. The screenplay reads like it. But of course, like you said, as Zach said, Drew Goddard did write for Angel and Buffy. So he was perfectly capable of writing in that style. But when you get to um, a line of dialogue, like the whole, it was you, I learned it from you. Okay, now I laughed out loud. I, I love jokes like that because I'm pretty sure hardly anyone got it. If you weren't alive, <laughs> to see those drug ads back in the seventies or eighties where dad comes into the room and he's found some weed in the kids, uh, you know, underwear drawer. And he's like, where'd you get this stuff? Who taught you about this? And the kid's like, it was you. I learned it from you. And the dad looks properly ashamed. Cause you know, and, and then, and then, he's you know, like clearly coked out. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then the commercial cuts to black where, you know, if, if, if stayed with it, he probably would roll a joint. They'd smoke together and hash things over <laughs> and all, but yeah, that that's a funny bit, but I, I wonder if anyone else gets it. 
Oh, yeah, I'm on. I, I got it. I, I got it. You know, my kids almost, actually got it. Almost as old as I am. Jesus. Yeah, of course you did. But uh, yeah. uh, J- Joss Whedon is one of the writers as well. So it's not, sure. you know, it's not quite well, a, a a poltergeist uh, uh, situation. Uh, that's literally or, about yeah, what, what I was about to say. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think it's, I think, I think it's. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that you actually might be able to expand on it. From my understanding was that Joss had kind of built the framework or the bones of the story, and then he and Drew kind of fleshed it out together. So maybe that's part of that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this definitely has kind of his fingerprints all over it, and that's probably why. I mean, like I said, the script, and we'll get into this a little bit when we start talking about the actors and, and the and the characters and stuff, but like there is something when Joss Whedon is writing like, uh, when when he's writing for his own projects, there is such a immediately definable way that the characters talk yeah. and act, and this film just has that in spades. Right. Yeah. Although I, I and it's I think in some ways, although listen, I love Buffy and I love Angel even more, but there's a kind of a quippiness to it that works okay, works fine for television, would not translate as well to a movie thing, and I think they avoid that with this. The characters. They're, they have they're self-aware they're all intelligent and and they they have some funny bits and everything but it's not quite as wackity schmackity schmoo as sometimes Buffy could get when uh every everyone's like quick with the you know the patter and everything you know they avoided that a bit and I, I think it's to the movie's uh benefit so I thought they did a good job with the writing I think it's really well written yeah I agree uh hey, quick sidebar I, oh go ahead oh. I was gonna say if we're still on that. I was gonna jump to the cinematographer, but no, oh, just to bother yeah. just to bother Alan. I was taking a look to see what else he did because I was like, you know, I really like the style of it. Well, Uh-oh. you know, one of the movies that this is that this is uh, you know always kind of associated with is one of the things, especially the cabin is is Evil Dead. Well, he was a cinematographer yep. in Evil Dead too. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, good. For well, him. director of photography, yeah. So. But he did a ton of stuff. I mean, oh, granted, he did I would drop love to say friend, I can but... see those influences in this film, but as you know, I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You could lie, though. Yeah. No, it's funny. It's funny because he did that. He also did. I mean, he's done uh, a couple of horror films. He did that. He did Scream 2 and 3. Um, he's also been uh, David Lynch's DP for a while. He's He oh. shot Mulholland Drive. Oh, that's uh, beautiful. He shot, shot yeah. Lost Highway. And he also shot one of my uh, favorite uh, films of the last decade, uh, Twin Peaks Season 3. That's a bit oh. of a joke. But, um, yeah. And he, <laughs> he shot Drop Dead Brad as well. It would have yeah. been funnier if you said New Mutants. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Because oh, yeah. people people wouldn't have bought it because no one saw that movie. Um, yeah, did it anyway, actually come out? Did it got finally it. Yes. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh I yeah. It came, it came out in the middle of the pandemic, so they could brag. It's like we were the number one movie for that week. It's like yeah, anyone. Blood of the Mummy could have been the number one movie if we'd stuck it into a theater. So <laughs> yeah. he also he also notably uh, did West what I believe was West Craven's only non horror film, which uh, I believe won an Oscar, Music of the Heart. Okay. What? Oh, yeah. Wow. Interesting. Hmm. And Scream Two. Yeah. And Joe's apartment. Said- and yeah, good stuff. Yeah. So he has a he has an he's he's one of those DPs. When you go and look at his credits, he mm-hmm. often shows up. Like he's shot multiple films for David Lynch, for Sam Raimi, for Jay Roach. So it's, he's one of those. Uh, he's obviously someone that yeah. that these directors like working with. Well, that tells, sh- that I mean, tells, I can understand yeah. why. He, he he's not only good at what he does, but also he probably gets along 
with people well you, you hear a lot about there's there can often be a lot of fighting on the set between the the dp and the director yeah. um <laughs> it's funny because he also worked on i heart huckabees oh which, lord of mercy he's probably the only person that david o russell wasn't screaming at <laughs> <laughs> So I uh, personally think that this has one of the best opening scenes. I agree. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I think one of my favorite things about it as, as it's kind of, you know, ending, they're driving down this corridor in this little golf cart contraption and uh, Bradley Whitford looks over at Richard Jenkins and says, are you even listening to me? And I thought it was so great because I thought, you know, in the movie theater at that moment, how many people were so confused and maybe talking to each other that they too were not listening to Bradley Whitford? Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and um, according according to IMDb, the movie's opening was a deliberate attempt by filmmakers Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon to confuse the audience and make them think <laughs> they had walked in to see the wrong movie. Uh, and part of me absolutely loves that and, and, I, I, and everything. And the other part of me puts himself in the place of a studio executive who, you know, is left with the fact that, yes, that's a really funny joke and it actually worked and the movie bombed. So good going, guys. <laughs> maybe, maybe sometimes you can be too clever, you know, it, confusing the audience. Because, again, when I watched this, I laughed out loud when the title came on and a <laughs> bunch of people turned around and looked at me like, what's wrong with you and what's wrong with this movie? And I think, I really do think that some people had a hard time getting back into it at that point. Like they weren't sure what was going on and they didn't like it. Yeah. Well, when I, the switcheroo happens even earlier. The very first shots, the opening are yeah. these, it's like kind of a very traditional kind of horror movie with panning mm -hmm. and you have these, these various old woodcuts of, of human sacrifices. And all of a sudden it's like that, that hard cut to the, to the, the workplace comedy, just yeah. like boom, right from that. And all of a sudden you're like, what? So yeah, the, well, the the whole being in the wrong theater, um, or it could be that they put the wrong film on. When I my son and I went to go see uh, Pirates of the Caribbean three, all of <laughs> a sudden it was the opening to to um, I'm not sure which one was out at the time, uh, Hostel two or was it? The oh, we I grabbed him. I we ran out of the theater. I said they they put the wrong thing in, and I ran down to get the manager and came back, and then I see like this whole group of people just. And their kids standing outside the theater looking shocked and just, yeah, just I, I can or, or like when I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I, I had another say, one. Oh, okay. this was, was actually say, um, the projection is Zach. <laughs> well, when my, when my wife was little, out because you hadn't seen the first two and you didn't want to spoil it. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, the, the thing was, the other thing was when my wife was little, um, she was going to, they were going to see, uh, um, Gentle Ben. They were going to the kids thing. It was going to be Ben, Gentle Ben, Gentle Ben. And oh. what did they show? <laughs> they showed Ben, the sequel to Willard, oh. with Killer Rat. And she was there. But they showed the whole movie. And she said, like, they were all just, just you know, permanently scarred from them then on. So. Wow. I, I, I can I can almost one up that because when I, I mentioned I worked at a theater for a long time, I remember coming in one morning and the projectionist was super upset. And he was like, I was like, you know, what, what happened is like, oh, someone forgot to move. And this was back in the day when we had 35 millimeter film prints. And he was like, someone forgot to move one of the prints yesterday. And I started the wrong movie. And I was like, well, what was supposed to be playing? And he's like, oh, it was supposed to be The, the Incredibles. And I said, well, what did you start instead? He said, Saw. Oh, <laughs> God. Well, so, yeah. Whoops. Good times. Yeah. 
Um, but now talking about being confused, I, well, I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it at home, but I remember, you know, by the time it came out at home, you know, you, I'd sort of already heard some of the hype about how this was like, oh, it's a different type of movie, yada, yada, yada. And I started watching it. And when you get beyond that first scene to where they are, I guess they're at, uh, I don't know, I guess wherever their college is, you know, about 10 minutes in, I'm like, oh, I'm like, well, this is just, this is just like every other 80s slasher movie. And I, I, it's, it's weird. Cause it's sort of like a whirlwind of, of, of expectations that sort mm -hmm. of get, you think are dashed and they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it was actually, I guess that's the second, the second scene really that is after, after the credits come on. I think it's also really smart that they started it that way because I think a traditional, I, I think I could envision other screenwriters writing this film and treating the entire fact that, you know, everything that's happening is part of this bigger plan, treating that as like a third act twist. Whereas yes. this film, they literally just open with the most mundane office talk possible. And, and you, you, they immediately introduce you to this world where these boring old guys are responsible for basically <laughs> torturing and killing these, these teenagers. Yeah. And, and maybe I'm the only one, you know, in this boat, but I, I mean, to be honest, the first time I watched this, I had forgotten about the first scene when they cut back to them. Mm. I was like, Oh yeah, those guys, now yeah. we're going to tie this together. I mean, I, so I, I saw that then, then the second scene where I, thought okay this is just going to be like a this is just another slasher movie or whatever then they cut back to those guys and i realized i had for completely forgotten th that they were there it's like oh yeah so something's going on yeah i, well, I cool could see uh, okay Bill. oh no oh, i was just gonna, i could see if they were to if someone were to make it now they'd probably make the big flip when um thor jumps the motorcycle across and you think he's going to make yes. it and he slams into and slides down and everyone's like oh my god what just happened and then they explain everything and yeah that'd be a cool twist but i think i think i would hate that because and, and you know they, they still the do that they still do that in the film where they are i can't remember what shot it is and I, I think it's when the zombies come out or whatever you know they they cut back to inside and there's mm -hmm. like, you know, he, I forget what he's, I forget what they're called, but you know, redneck zombies, it is, or something. Right. And they still do that, but it's not, that's not your first encounter with those people yeah. in the, uh, in the facility or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Can, can we right, also, so, just, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, uh, no I, I was just going to say, if we're, if we're talking about the opening, can we just talk about how arguably the best part of this film is Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's just where I was going. So yes. Okay, <laughs> yes. Uh, just to run it down, it was Bradley Whitford playing Steve Hadley, Richard Jenkins as Gary Sitterson. Uh, Amy Acker showed up. Uh, she was mm -hmm. Wendy in the chem department. Uh, also, uh, somebody from that Buffy. Uh, oh yeah, Angel she was a big universe. part of Angel. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta tell you, oh, yeah. none, none of these people are my favorite character. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, Amy Acker is also, I should note, one of my favorite characters from uh, from Dollhouse. Uh, mm -hmm. I should say one of my favorite actors. Well, I love everyone on that show, but she plays one of my favorite characters. Nice. Now, my, my favorite character is uh, is definitely the guy at the gas station. I don't remember his character. Uh, we'll, get we'll get to him. <laughs> yeah, Mordecai. Yeah. 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 But well, what's great is that they, it's, it's, a, it's a workplace comedy. I mean, that, yeah. that, whole, yeah. that whole segment. And if you watch it, this, if you've watched it, Again, you know, the first time you watch it, you don't really necessarily know what's going on. You watch it again. There's a lot in that opening dialogue where they're talking, where you're finding out about, 
you know, it's yeah. what's going on and then blaming the chem department. I mean, there's like a whole, whole setup that when you haven't watched it before, it's just like, oh, it's something. But mm-hmm. you can actually pick out specifics and things like that of what's going on with the when you come back and see it a second time. I'd yeah. watch a TV show that was just about this this operation. <laughs> Basically, the office with monsters and stuff, and they just kill a bunch of different teenagers every week. And mm. yeah, these characters were fun. They they were yeah. they were really enjoyable. Incidentally, uh, the '98 incident is a reference to the movie The Faculty. Oh, oh. again, again, see. That 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 kills the joke for me. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm I'm that kind of person who likes world building where you don't tell me everything. I think we've covered this before. Where I don't I don't want all the additional information. I want it just. It's like I want to put that in my head what 98 is. But that's kind of cool though. Make sure you don't I listen to our podcast, fact. Paul. I was going to say you might want to hang up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I'm willing to sacrifice. Uh, I, I do also love the fact that they, you know, they have the security guard character mm-hmm. uh, played by Brian J. White, and he comes in, and I feel like, again, in in other films, other screenwriters would use him as that kind of the 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 character that's basically just there so other characters can explain to him what's going on, and they right. do that a little bit, but it's very it's it's very subtle and. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. not, you know, I'm I'm always reminded of a movie like Inception, which does this just in spades, like half the movie right. is the, the you know, the main character explaining the concept of the film to another character. And it's it's really impressive how little of that they actually do or or how they do it so naturally in this in the script. Mm-hmm. And right. what was that character supposed to be securing? Because they had like a thousand security guards. Was he just their personal security? I think so, right? Like that section yeah just just for their control room yeah it might have been part of the setup not letting you know how big the operation was it's like oh we've got the security guy and then you know by the end it's like oh well they've got a hundred security people it's just you know what's what's this one more guy gonna do well clearly they didn't have enough (laughs) right they needed more than the one more (laughs) but but richard jenkins and bradley whitford just these scenes with them specifically Mm. the Mm. back and forth with them i think Mm. richard jenkins is is arguably my favorite actor in this movie i think you know he's he's been in so much other stuff he's been he was in the the uh what was it the uh let the right one in remake which Mm. i know a lot of people don't like but i love his performance in that movie Mm -hmm. he's just been he's in kong skull island he's been in he's one of these actors that i don't think i've seen a lot of stuff where he's like a leading man but Mm -hmm. he is so so good in everything he does and I just I love him so much. And he's he's also I mean he's he's hilarious in this in this movie, just being like such a completely dry character. Yeah. Yes, and his character is amazing too. In the beginning, he gives some pretty reason. You know, he's talking to you know Bradley Whitford's character about problems he's having with his wife or girlfriend, and mm-hmm. very reasonable, good advice. Um, you know, later he kind of does some stuff where he just saves the day. It's just a kind yeah. of a great really great character yeah it's 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 an ironic thing that you know these are very likable characters but of course yeah they're they're doing a terrible thing or are they i mean that well, I, we'll get, yeah yeah we'll get mm-hmm. into it later it's like you know the heroes the folks that we're rooting for destroy the world and the people <laughs> that the the so-called bad guys here while what they're doing is certainly unpleasant for the five people who die um, save another eight billion. So you know, you get into morality. Is it justified to kill five people to save eight billion? And I guess we all have a place where we draw that line. Um, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. 
and and that's i guess the one maybe the one criticism i'll have for it is is that the ending is so nihilistic um mm, that's what i love about it yeah it, right. yeah and it's pretty cool <laughs> well, and and I think it, we, oh. we can talk about the the theme later but i think it ties into the whole theme of the of mm-hmm. the, of the yes. film itself yeah there's some definitely some thoughts on that and i will say paul you will love this um Ooh. brian j white's character his name was alex truman uh and there's a theory that uh he is much like the truman show where he is observing basically what is happening in his life and he has absolutely no way to control it or stop it huh. Okay. Just wanted, to, uh, just wanted to ruin that for you a little bit. Oh no, that, that one's not as bad. That's not as bad <laughs> okay, as Kevin. Right. Yeah, let's, I'm, I'm now go- I'm now googling other things that I can uh, behind the scenes stuff I can ruin for, about this movie. It's, it's, not so much, well, it's not so much behind the scenes. It's it's the it's the world building aspects of it that that uh, where right. where they just I, I'm trying, now I'm you trying have to focus. temper my comments to where we're at in the film, and we're we're sort of. Well, I'm going to cut to this part where you'll know where we're in. Don't worry. Um. No, no, I I was going to say, but I I did have something that was, that was at the beginning that, um, you know, didn't really tie in, but yeah, I mean, surely I'm, and and they even touch on this at the end where the guy says, I don't think whatever his name is even has a cousin. How do you, how, how are you brought and, and maybe because they had tampered with all this other stuff and infiltrated, you know, her, her hair dye and all that junk. I mean, maybe that just sort of plays into the plot, but the guy's cousin has bought a cabin and wants them to come up. I mean, to me, that's like the, like one of the things that they didn't really tie together. It's like, okay, well, your cousin bought the cabin and he wants you to come up, but how did he, like, how did that work? Did he just send you an email and say, hey, I'm your cousin, I bought a cabin, go there. Or, you know, because- You know, everybody in the, everybody in the family knows somebody who has a cabin somewhere. <laughs> Right, but did you yeah. call him? Did they call maybe him this say, was... hey, you got to come to this cabin I bought? Or maybe, maybe he got right. oh, Alan, Alan, you mentioned that whole part about, oh, I don't think he even has a cousin. Well, that, see, again, this comes into the world-building thing. Maybe mm-hmm. in the novelization, it gives the whole details. But at least in my head canon, it's the idea that, no, that, you know, they've been manipulating with drugs and, mm-hmm. and however many ways. Well, they set this up and somehow hypnotized him or drugged him or something. To set him up so he, think he had a cousin it. with a yes. cabin. Okay, right. So they can arrange it. Again, it may be spelled out somewhere. Smoke. In my Remember head, they sent out that, that that mist or whatever that made him yeah. decide. He's like, "Hey, we should split up instead of sticking this, together." This is the part of the movie that you find implausible that a guy wouldn't go into. You know, if his cousin <laughs> calls up, they've got they've. Where did they get yes, all these that's monsters? The only part of this movie that doesn't make sense. Well, there's I a couple. <laughs> Where did they get these monsters from? Did they? How, how does that work? What do they feel? They collected them as they found them. As they collected them one by one. It's yeah. like did, did, did the evil gods give them you monsters? Put it in a thing. Oh my goodness! They've been building this over thousands of years. Bro. Yeah. I, wow. I just looked it up, and apparently the backstory is that his cousin is actually Kevin. <laughs> oh, there you go. It all ties together. Oh, it all ties actually together. makes sense. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I'm done. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Wow. So, um... Tell me in Lord of the Rings there's some way that Bilbo got that ring. That you know. Just... <laughs> <laughs> um, so we cut to uh, Dana's apartment where, uh, you know, everybody's kind of getting it together. Um, Dana is played by Kristen Connolly. Um, her best friend Jules, played by Anna Hutchinson. Uh, then a good old Thor rolls up. Okay, yeah. Do women walk around when there's windows on three sides of you in their underwear? I hope I- so. I've never seen that. 
<laughs> well, I guess, Alan, you don't spend a lot of time looking in win- women's I windows look like I have. I look out my window all the time <laughs> to see if I see things like that, and I don't. Alan, it, <laughs> looking out your window doesn't make any sense. I, sometimes I don't even know you. you got to look through their window. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to come to Bill's house tonight about 2 a.m. and look out, out his window. No, you got to try to someone else's home. Am I the only person who <laughs> understands how this works? Yes, I'm going to your house at 2 a.m. to look out the window. I feel like I'm in the twilight oh. zone. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. Huh. Um, okay, carry on, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Good point, though. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Chris Hemsworth, uh, we've got him up here. We've got uh, Jesse Williams uh, playing the role of Joe uh, Holden McRae. I say that like he's a person that we wanted to see. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Fran- <laughs> wow. I have some personal issues. <laughs> uh, Fran Kranz is absolutely amazing as Marty Mikowski. Um And just to quickly run down, Dana is um Going to be, pl- do you want me to give the archetypes? She's going to be playing sure. the role of the virgin. Uh, yeah. And uh, Jules is going to be the whore. Kurt, Same. yeah. Kurt is going to be the athlete. Holden the scholar and Marty the fool. And, and, and we will t- see how that pans out for them. And actually, get, listen, the ar- archetypes help me know which characters they are. Aside from, aside oh, good. from, because, except for Marty. Marty's the only one I knew by yeah. name. Otherwise, it's like, mm. uh, it's Chris Helmsworth. It's, right. It's, it's her, her, her three other people. and him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and it was like, other than that, Marty's the only one whose name I knew. Yeah. Yeah. That that is interesting. You're right. The names did not stick with me. Yeah. No, not really. Except Marty. So, Except we called we called him Shaggy. Like during the during the movie, yeah. me and my son were like, look at Shaggy. Yeah. yeah. And when we thought he when we thought he got killed, we were like, No, not Shaggy. <laughs> I totally wrote my notes like that in the beginning. It was like redhead does this, blonde does this, Thor does this. So uh-huh. yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, Did you really think that Shaggy was dead when he died off screen? Yeah, you know we, we yeah. still had to go. It's Shaggy. No. Yeah, <laughs> that was part of the fun of it. That's that true. was part of the so, fun. I, I do think that the the this core cast I think is indicative of. Fr- I don't know. I think I have maybe two problems with this film that I'll discuss. And I think my first one is definitely so um, Fran Kranz was also, I, am I the only one who watched Dollhouse? I know I keep mentioning it. Apparently yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I well, knew he I, was part of that, but no. Yeah. On your recommendation, I'll seek it out now. Yeah. So, so he was also in Dollhouse. No, it's actually a pretty good show. I mean, it, it, like most Joss Whedon shows, it only lasted for two seasons, but um, right. it, it, so he's in that show too. And it's funny because he's actually playing a very similar character or he is not a similar character but he has a very similar personality mm. and i think that he is and this is probably why joss whedon works with the same actors and actresses so much he is he has perfected the art of delivering the whedon-esque dialogue um. and he's so and he's i love him so much in this movie mm-hmm. but my only problem with him is that i think he does such a good job delivering this dialogue that it actually reflects badly or it makes it more obvious that some of the other actors have trouble with (laughs) delivering some of this dialogue in, in such a way that it doesn't come off as, I don't know. It, it, it almost almost feels like to deliver the Whedon-esque dialogue, you have to be in on the joke. And sometimes I feel like some of the actors aren't really in on the joke. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's another, there's another actor who, um, Whedon has worked with uh, Tom Lenk, who plays Ronald the Intern. Mm. Yes, yes. I'd watch, I'd watch a movie that was Ronald the Intern and Marty <laughs> doing a road trip together or something. <laughs> oh, yes. How fun would that be? 
that would be great. You yeah, know? that you know, it's it's true. And or or maybe it's just that they write. That's the kind of character they write the best dialogue for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, the others, the archetype of the others. You know, listen, the 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 virginal girl is not the most interesting character in a horror movie, and the the athlete is just a big, usually a big meathead that dies, and the whore is just a whore. I mean, if you look at it from they're they're kind of sending up a horror film. These characters are probably the best examples of those archetypes that have ever been in a horror movie but... except the thing is they're not the archetypes that's exactly kind of yeah yeah is that they aren't the archetypes that that's the the, the virgin they're... is the one who was sleeping with her professor and, and yeah. the 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 whore is is the pre-med she's really student. not she's a pre-med student yeah but yeah, and the like athlete the... is the one who's the you know yeah. What, psychology sociology major you know it's it's yeah so it's and, and the scholar is the one who's like catching the football and stuff so yeah this, but like is, sigourney weaver said they work with what they got they work with what they got uh, yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah that that is actually my other core problem with this film that i think doesn't work is that they they try to touch on this later on that they are being influenced by you know the drugs and stuff right. They they never really other than like you know Curse Hemsworth has the one scene where he's like oh no don't read this read this other book instead to to establish oh he's actually really smart but they don't actually go I don't know I feel like there's not enough development of these characters early on to then go and subvert that and I every single okay. time I watch this movie I feel like oh uh, you know uh, Marty's mentioning that oh everyone's acting really weird. And as a viewer, I'm always just like, I, I don't actually see that much, that big of a difference, you yeah. know, after they start really going under the influence. I, I agree with you on that one, definitely. I will actually disagree. <gasps> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, um, oh, 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 I am going to Marty is the one. Don't you remember? Marty is not influenced. They said they missed one of his stashes, so he is but not he's the one. Yet. He's the one that notices that everyone else is. Yeah. He has he right, arcs, right. but in the opposite sense. But we're not there yet. I got to disagree first. Um, oh, yeah, because Chris Hemsworth's character, they mentioned that he's a sociology major with a full academic scholarship. But also, if you notice in the very beginning scene, he's with the three of them in that room and is completely, you know, eyes up. And then he says to her, like, yo, you're not wearing pants and rolls out of the room. <laughs> and then later he's like, yo, take your top off. So it kind of, to me, gave the impression of like, this is a guy who's not a scumbag and who. Right. Is you know, Grant told her immediately, like, "Yo, you're not wearing pants." But um, yes, well, he, he, I, I don't think he noticed actually at first. Well, That's it's very possible. Like, like right? he's just you know too focused on everything else. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, I guess yeah, to a certain extent they try it. I just, I, if anything, if, if if I was to change absolutely anything about this movie, I would maybe want a little bit of, and and I guess you know. It, the movie is incredibly well paced. So if if they had done this, I probably would be complaining that it's too long. But just yeah. a little more establishment of the characters. I don't know. But, but I well, and I will say, oh, I'm sorry. I will no, say he's no, actually no. the only one I can say that about. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like if they if they went much further with the characters becoming the archetypes, they'd be very unlikable because those are usually you know pretty unlikable characters and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm dying of curiosity um, why Renee doesn't like Holden. Oh yeah, good question. <laughs> well, um, oh, it's it's really just one of those things. It's a it's um, uh, what do they call that? I forget. Um, Jesse Williams uh, was married to his longtime girlfriend, and then when oh, he got ooh. 
Yes, and when he That's had his uh, comeuppance, he decided to upgrade, and I did not appreciate oh. that very much. And he was really wow. kind of shitty through the whole situation with, you know, they had kids and divorces and oh. you know, all that stuff, but just did not. So basically, he became famous and kind yeah. of, yeah. Uh-huh. When did oh, he and I, and he actually Are you liking on his a life. character based on his personal life? Um, when did he become famous? No, the character's fine. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Well, no, I was just like, he got. He just got divorced la- this uh, last year. Right? Oh, no, he, he he was on Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, oh, okay. that's when he yeah. kind of got his thing. And he, I think he actually cheated on his wife with a girl that he was in a movie with. But no, the character Holden is is fine. I don't, you know, give a shit about him one way or the other. But <laughs> it's just Jesse. Jesse. I think he's probably the most boring character. He's probably a delight in real just life. Just because he's underwritten. Yeah. Yeah. He, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. Um. So, uh, you know, once the kids roll out, they uh, are getting to probably what everybody's most people. Uh, one of the favorite parts, I would say, is when they run into the Harbinger, uh, Mordecai, yeah. played by Tim Dazarn. Uh Yeah. Any thoughts on this encounter? I, I just love that they, you know, that is such a such a classic character in you start because a lot of times you don't realize it until this movie and you're like what are they talking about oh wait a minute right that old guy who shows up <laughs> in every slasher movie is like i wouldn't go down to camp crystal lake if i were you and like <laughs> and, and yeah that guy that guy shows up all the time to have him be a you know some kind of major part of this ritual and, and if you think about it, he's only got a few lines, but I yeah. don't know, to me, at least yeah. they were memorable. The one, I, you know, he spits, he's like, you sassing me, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then later on, you know, at the end, he gets on the phone and I That's can't even imitate it, but he's talking about like some, you know, like in, in this deep, yeah. you know, so voice, good. like, you know, the world, a pit, am I on speakerphone? You know, it's just, <laughs> just like, it comes right out of it and goes right back into it. I mean, I just... <laughs> That's what's great is he he really believes in this. This is this yeah. is a big deal for him. And the others have been doing this for so long that it has become absolute routine. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like the character. This mm-hmm. is really a, a kind of awesome, unbelievable, terrible thing. And he appreciates that. You know, he he's treating it with the reverence that it deserves. And for everyone else, it, it's it's kind of a funny commentary that if no matter how awesome or cosmic or unbelievable something is if you do it long enough it just becomes a job mm-hmm. and, I, think, but it, I think the contrast is great it's also interesting i mean they don't really touch on this at all and it's not really inferred so i'm i'm just kind of inferring it myself but the idea that you know if if you are if you are privy to the information that these people are, that there are these gods that will destroy the world if they don't make these sacrifices. Like, yeah, some people can kind of compartmentalize that and just make it Mm -hmm. a day job, but some people are going to turn it into almost, you know, uh, they are going to pursue their job with almost a religious fervor. Right. And they are going to kind of take it. uh, I mean, I mean, that's, that's basically, I mean, that, that is, you know what what's happening is that these this these are people that know that gods exist and that they are actually very angry gods right so mm-hmm. it's i kind of like the idea that there are certain people that are almost uh become zealots in their own right even if they're mm-hmm. they're performing their job if anyone survives this movie it's mordecai <laughs> i would watch i would watch an entire spin up i would actually watch an entire show like a mini uh, like a mini webisodes that's just him and every year like a new a new rv full oh. of kids comes by <laughs> yeah 
that that would yeah. be great. Yeah. <laughs> Someone should write that down for the thing. Um, all right, so the kids do finally, for some reason, make their way to the I will, cabin. Sorry, can oh, I say one other thing? Yeah. I think this is this is where <laughs> I love all of his lines, but this is some of my favorite lines from Marty when when he's like, you know, do do you think they take credit cards? He's like, I don't think they know about money. <laughs> and when he when he says that when he's talking to the harbinger when he when he's leaving, I, I don't know. I just I just love. I love everything. I'm gonna just mention that every single scene we talk about, yeah, or uh, like yeah. fighting in the Civil War. I love, yeah, <laughs> which war was that? Was that the 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 red and uh, the blue and the gray brother, brother fighting brother? brother? Yeah, <laughs> I love it so much. Which war it was? Uh, yeah, he's great. Yes. And I appreciate it too for the character that he is. You know, you don't normally think of, uh, you know, like the laid back stoner characters being, you know, more aggressive. But I thought it was pretty great that he stood up for yeah. his yeah. friends. That's yeah. a great yeah. line. I mean, That's when this true. came out, 2011, because I'm looking at him and I'm looking at when this came out. I'm like, you know, I really don't know what war you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. The Crimean War. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. War ages a man. It could be the Gulf War. It could be Vietnam, <laughs> Korea. <laughs> Oh, God. We've been uh, in a lot of wars, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm just compelled to mention this one thing here after the kids get to the cabin and they head over to the lake. Um, there is the incident in the house with Dana and Holden with the uh, reverse mirror situation. Mm -hmm. um, but when they get to the lake, I would like to mention that Fran was not able to participate because he has abs and they didn't think it would be right for his character to have abs and they told him to keep a shirt on. Yeah. Who was that? Same thing happened to my Marty. Marty, Marty, yeah. Marty, Marty was time. basically a uh, yeah. yeah. I figured I thought so. Oh, well you forgot. Okay. There, there's a scene leading up to that. Uh you know where the eagle flies into whatever that wall oh, is. Oh yes, yeah. thank you. That yes. is another scene I was I remember when I watched this the first time I was like, "Ooh, wonder what that is." I mm. had completely forgotten about it when it came back into play. How funny. I was like, oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just so weird. It's That's like why they had given me some of that in there to remind the audience. Yeah. It's like, it's like they had given me some of that mist to make me forget because it's oh. like, oh, surely that's going <laughs> to come back into play here. Right. But I had completely forgotten about it because there was so much more going on. And even when he jumped the thing, I mean, now today I knew what was going to happen, but the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, well, let's see if he makes it. You know, I was like, oh yeah, the wall. <laughs> so here's, here's my question. That wall is around the entire cabin area right yes oh, yeah. I mean, it so, must right? be right like I would yeah yeah yeah, be, be, yeah. it's a, like he says it's almost a truman show yeah dome. yeah mm. yeah so can well, I... we only see it there but yeah i would i would imagine yeah. that, you know we were talking about we're gonna walk down so, the other side and get out, out a and problem she, she was here. saying they you know the whole th the whole idea is they bring these five people to a cabin they die in some horrible monstrous way in the right order and if they do that right the gods are happy and everything so it feels to me like uh thor's death kind of breaks violates the thing he doesn't die because of the monsters he dies because of the technology that these guys have come up with if that's legit just pick five people and slit their throats in the right order you know it feels well, and that's, to me that's like exactly right, to do that. in the I think end that's they were just going to shoot him in the head yeah right? i think the implication was they used to be it used to be like a yeah. standard human sacrifice. But the other thing, as they said, you're not the only one watching. You know, the, the gods are, the elder gods are watching. And I think the, the gods were like, you know, they're okay with, with be some random death. But yeah, if you can entertain, like that, that's why they have the, 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 oh, she's got to take off her top because you're not the only one watching. Oh. Which I mean, again, gets yeah, back into yeah. the theme. 
that's well, we, a good we point. cover the theme later but yeah that's and he yeah. did he did you know they they mentioned that they have to suffer and presumably yeah. unless, unless he got knocked out i mean you know falling to your death like that is pretty terrifying right it was pretty like, bad well him kind of like bouncing off bouncing off the wall yeah. also he saw his girlfriend's head get cut off by like an yeah. old rusty saw so maybe yeah. i don't know um this is also when they, you know, they get back in the cabin. We're starting to see their characters kind of break down into the archetypes that they are chosen to be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Kurt starts wearing this Letterman jacket, um, acts kind of aggro. Holden all of a sudden is super nerd with his like button up shirt and glasses. Um, Jules is just all over the place, uh, making out with wolves. Um, I never really <laughs> noticed any different changes with dana's character really um um i did actually make a note a few notes it's it's Please. ironic that i made a note about her licking the wolf um oh that was would, would, you, would you go into an old dusty cabin and lick a a a, a, a mounted animal on the wall i, if you're well, if they, well, yes, probably, I, I guess that hair dye really you know yeah. is doing it well they also were pumping in uh pheromones and things like that into yeah. the cabin well, and you know, there's like kids on TikTok licking toilet seats for zero <laughs> reason at all. Yeah, that's true. Oh. Drugs, or maybe they I are. Would Google that right after I Google Mr. Hands. No, <laughs> once again, what's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, Renee, you were talking about how Dana did really Hands. change. Like, oh my god, trying to get back away from the toilet seats and industry. Mm. Yeah, hey, I've seen Bad Times at the El Royale. No. It's no, on okay. the list. Yeah, no one has. Uh, it's not a great movie, but it, I, I I just realized something. It's it's actually the only other movie that Drew Goddard has directed, and he also wrote right. it. Um, but it also uh, heavily features two uh, uh, one way mirrors. So oh. kind of interesting, hmm. but oh. yeah, that's interesting. Okay, actually, I want to know why no, he just why he's kind of directed thing... another film though. That's that's what I want. That would be the kind of thing I might make a, actually make a connection on. Ha! Huh, this guy likes one way mirrors. <laughs> yeah, it must be the same director. <laughs> what were you, what you Paul? <laughs> I was saying I, I want to know if there's a story there on why he hasn't directed anything like the like the guy who directed uh um was it League of Extraordinary Gentlemen that was it was so oh, horrible that he yeah, hasn't well, directed well. anything since then you know I think it's because he he's a I mean he's primarily a writer okay. and I mean he's written for a lot of shows he wrote right. Lost he's written on some of the Marvel shows mm-hmm. and even though like I don't think Cabin in the Woods actually did that bad but it didn't do that well and neither did Bad Times at the El Royale so. I don't know. Maybe he hasn't gotten a lot of offers after those two, or or maybe you know the other thing is I, I think it's so it's so discouraging when you put your heart and soul and all that work into directing something, and then it underperforms, and you you probably end up thinking that's two years of my life that I don't have a lot to show for. How many yeah. scripts can a good writer have written in two years? A lot, mm. and and you know that's you got to think about where your time is. You only have so much time before you're considered too old to be the next hot thing in Hollywood. So if, uh, if the success is in the writing part, that's probably where you, what you stick with. I thought he did a great job in this. I'd like to see him direct some more. Yeah. Um, so- and is there, is there an agreement that this movie didn't do well? Cause it's, it's really horrible when really it's math, Alan, it's just, yeah. Well. I mean, I think it, I think it did. Okay. Uh, I, I was looking at the box office and you know, I, you can never, tell if these numbers right. are are right but uh according to the numbers that is the dash numbers.com um the production budget was 30 million and it made 42 domestically and 28 internationally so yeah. which you know with hollywood accounting i'm sure that yeah. still lost like a billion dollars but right, right. But, yeah, know, i'm sure yeah, it broke even because I, I think it's been pretty popular on on video oh, yeah, and stuff. yeah it's found the me personally, if i put 
$30 million into something and it brought back 60. See, I would think that was a, a good success. I mean, I understand. Yeah. It's not a, you're not a Hollywood account. Well, you know, what's funny is it kind of shows also, at least to me, how we have our own little kind of uh, bubbles in terms of people we interact with. Cause you know, most of my friends are people who like horror movies and <laughs> like, 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 you know, comedies right. and like horror comedies. And so from the people I always interacted with, it was like, Oh yeah, it's a great movie. I love it. So most people I would talk even, to. Even like, if you're it. not though, if, if people that people that like horror movies, if you say, okay, have you seen, I don't know, Bill, give us one of yours, you know, the, the man with two hands, whatever, uh, you know, you're like, <laughs> Oh my like, god, no, I haven't seen right that. now. The man, but, the man with two hands. I, I am literally writing this down. Right now. That's the title. Of titles. But if you ask anybody who even remotely likes horror movies, if they've seen this movie, they've seen it. Yeah. That's I mean, what I'm saying. That, that's what I'm saying. We have our kind of our bubbles, whereas the general public is not gonna have seen this. I don't even oh my god I, I see if my wife has seen it I think the general public has seen it mm. well, but if your wife has seen it it's probably because you've seen it right because you're watching it in the living room <laughs> oh my god no we, we, we've got a house where she can go into another room I mean, say, you to do your own devices. One that she liked and I think she actually enjoyed which for yeah, her you know, because she says she says I watch and make a lot of crap. So this oh. was not one in that category. <laughs> uh, that's a, that is a ringing endorsement. That should be the yeah, tagline. It really is. You watch and make, make a, a lot, lot of, of crap. crap, but this isn't one of them. <sighs> oh my okay. Gosh. Well, the man with two hands is now filed in my <laughs> in my Rolodex of whimsy <laughs> to to be referred <sighs> to in the future. I look forward to that. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. If I was writing the man with two hands, there'd be this man. He'd have two hands, and everybody else would just have one arm. Uh, uh, see, you're messing with my head cannon again. I don't want to know. I just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that just the, that episode of the Twilight Zone where the woman's yeah, really beautiful? Right. Isn't everything? I mean, it's all, everything is that episode yeah. of the Twilight Zone. Yeah, it is. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Uh Okay, I don't All know right. how I got off on that. We were talking about the uh, budget of the movie. If you want to I, corral people back in and how well it did. No, no, yeah, I think it was oh. just uh, you know it did it did okay. So, well, here's not. the thing: did did it have a sequel? No. Yeah. Should it? Yeah. Well, yeah. well it'd be a little hard to make... destroy the world. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah. They, they could do a prequel. A prequel. Make a I've prequel. Got, got... Prequel. Yeah, last year or whenever they had to do this before, it was oh, well, pick your guy. It's the clown. The prequel. Yeah. Stop prequels. Listen, I got six words for you. Beneath the planet of the apes. They blew up <laughs> planet Earth. There was no way there was ever going to be any more Planet of the Apes movies. And there was about what three or four right after it. You could you could come I back. like that's saw, a bad thing, Bill. All we saw I was a big hand you know, if this movie had made cap. another if this movie had made another hundred million dollars, we would have three prequels out there. Oh, we'd have a we'd have a sequel. Look, the hand smashed one cabin. You know, maybe maybe the gods decided they would leave. Uh, I don't know New Zealand or something. Yeah, you you could make it into a sequel, sure. but I mean, I would I would love to see another episode of this where it's simply different. Uh, you know, a different uh, you know, creature that comes out. Now, I don't want to see ten of them, but I think a cabin in the woods too. I I, I think that would be great. I mean, that, I think that would kind of go against the the whole the whole again the theme of of the film at that point. So. I, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it is the theme. Well, we can get that later. 
Paul, I don't know. Paul do you want to discuss the debate with Renee? Do you want to? Yes, do you want to Threatening to tell us. Well, yeah. So, I mean, part of the idea, and I think I think Josh Whedon and Drew Goddard said this. Was it was a script, you guys? Jeez, the film. Well, do you want to get to it later, or? Yeah, we'll get to it. Okay. We'll get to it when I say we get to it. All right. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> All right. So there's a quick cut uh, before these kids get lured into the basement where it flashes back to the facility and everyone is starting to take bets. Uh, they don't really, you know, I don't know that they necessarily specify what they are taking bets on, but they are taking bets. Which yeah, monster, um, they're taking bets on which monster they summon. Yeah. Do they do they verify yeah. it at that time? Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I don't think they actually come out and say it 100%. I mean, you know. You know it if you've seen it, but because uh, really, I thought they were taking bets on like who was going to die first. That, that's mm. what I thought when I saw this the first time. I thought they were taking bets on who would die first. But okay. you know, then today I'm like, I, you know, I knew today when I watched it what they were taking bets on, and I I was listening carefully to try to see if they were if they revealed it, and I don't think they did at that point. But they got a yeah. board. They got a big board with with the names. Well, they I never mean, showed the board. No they didn't show idea. it that time. Oh, they didn't. No, I, I distinctly I distinctly yeah. remember when he, when, he, when he's taking bets and shows they show the board. That you, I remember seeing unicorn on there. I remember distinctly seeing that as a yeah. That, well, that's they, an elated scene though. It was a later scene. No, yeah. Never think, mind. Uh, yeah, if you're it, it, uh, Renee's right, and technically they don't. I, I thought you meant in general, but yeah, in the in the yeah. in the first scene when they're taking bets, you don't. I don't think you really know what okay. what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I just wanted to tie in that whole segment because they're taking the bets. Next thing you know, these kids get lured into the basement. Well, Dana gets lured to the basement on a dare. Uh, but then everyone joins her, and this room is just full. It's like an overstocked flea market yeah. situation. Yeah, just so much stuff. Except every like nothing's broken. Um, that's so a, yeah. Oh, that that's a direct reference to Evil Dead too, right? When the when the cabin when the yes. the, the trap door flies open. Yeah, right. must yeah. have been the wind. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of Evil Dead references in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, so they're doing things and everybody starts messing with something. Uh, Jules uh, almost summons the bride uh, as she almost puts the necklace on. Mm -hmm. uh, Kurt almost summons the merman and then almost summons Fornicus. Mm -hmm. uh, Marty almost summons Kevin and Holden almost summons the sugar plum fairy uh, before yep. Dana comes in and summons the, the red. Oh, is the sugar plum fairy the ballerina? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that's what they were calling her. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the Buckners, the redneck zombie torture family, has won the game. And incidentally, Patience Buckner, played by Jodell Furland, uh, Sharon from Silent Hill. Oh. She also was like the creepy baby from Twilight, but I don't. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I'm glad oh, wait, we didn't she was. That. She was the the little girl in the Silent Hill movie. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Cool. Very yeah. cool. Sharon slash Alessa. Yeah. So, um, and then we come back to the facility because the Buckners have won and maintenance and Ronald <laughs> get to share the pot. <laughs> yes. And that's at that time we get introduced to the board. Anybody have any thoughts? Well, I, the only thing I would say, um, there's a couple things that I really did appreciate in this movie because I know like when, when we've been writing films that are, you know, you've got a killer, you would like to come up with a new killer and also a new weapon. Um, and I don't really think they came up with like a new form of killer, which, you know, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, it's just going to be some more zombies. But I really did appreciate the use of a bear trap 
as a weapon. Mm. Yeah, I, that is I hadn't cool. seen that before. The bear mm-hmm. trap on the on the chain was definitely yeah original <laughs> and and really brutal and horrifying. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that now, looks the other so great. Thing I, I will say though that you know you see in all like slasher type movies. What I didn't like was how people would get stabbed or or severely mauled with the bear trap and then ran faster than they did before they ever, you know, got stabbed or bear trapped. Yeah, because Marty actually gets stabbed in the back and dragged oh, away. Oh, yeah. All the so, way I mean, through, you were like, but... you, know, you were like saying, you thought he was still alive. I'm like, he got, we saw him get stabbed in the back, dragged away and into a pit. And then you hear stabbing, which later you find out it was him dismembering the guy right. in the trowel. But, mm-hmm. but you see him, he's stabbed in the back, but I guess, he you know. He takes a licking and keeps on ticking. He's, well, know. I mean, he's, 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 he's like, you know, he's got a lot of self-medication. I was going to say, he's very yeah. high. He doesn't feel a thing. True. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing, when I first saw it, that I thought was a little contrived, you know, you know, when somebody died, they, they sort of, they collected the blood or whatever. Mm-hmm. Originally, I thought it was the blood of the person. And then, you know, and I was like, well, that's kind of weird. How do they do that? But then, you know, when when they collect his, the blood from him and then you find out that he's not dead, it's like, okay, it must not really be their blood. It's something else that they're pouring in there. Maybe it's, I don't know, other blood they have or, yeah. or some Jeez. other red magical liquid. Yeah. They bought a book of how to make films from a uh, written by alan watkins that's right. and yeah, Mulligan. Yeah, yeah. a lot of blood recipes in that book yep, yep. Uh, that's why this is so good i see, yeah. <laughs> see? they learn from the best <laughs> yes the basically you know things start to go down at this point uh as mentioned uh although probably not mentioned till later jules dies first because that is the rules the whore has to die first um hmm. then at this point marty gets dragged away a uh, quick cut back to the facility. We find out that Japanese, uh, the Japanese have failed their ritual. <laughs> Hard to, to kill a nine-year-old. Cutaway sequences. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When, they, yes. when they put that girl into the little frog and then everybody could live without yeah. fear, that was great. That was great. And he gets to give that great line, you know, what a friend we have in Shinto. And then Bradley Whitford is, uh, I think it's Bradley Whitford, right? Who's just yelling, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Yes. All the, all the These kids. cute little Japanese girls. Yeah, it's just it's so, it's so inappropriately. Uh, it's great. I got to say, the, yeah. the editing the editing in this movie is also like really wonderful. The way all the scenes flow together so well. And some of the some of the scenes where they pull away from, you know, either either the these cutaways or what's going on in the cabin to what's going on in the, uh, in the facility is just great. So yeah. but here's the thing. Okay, so I'm a little confused. It looked just looked like a, a, a Japanese, a bunch of. They looked like they were seven years old. Um, is one of those seven year olds the whore? They were not. Yeah, they nine. Were nine years, so no, no, nine year old whore. Come on. No, no, uh, no. But there are different rules for the different, basically oh, different. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that makes perfect sense. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. That that's that's totally logical. Yeah. 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 That that makes sense because isn't. Isn't in one of the of the monitors they show like some sort of giant ape creature or something? Yeah, it like King Kong in Buenos Aires. Yeah, yeah. And how's yes. that guy gonna how's that guy gonna choose which which people to kill in which order? Right. I mean, right. And you know, during this whole time, they're cutting back, you know, to scenes where you know Jules and Kurt are walking through the woods, and you see the fog come up, but the fog is really these hormones and the playing with the lights and the temperature to kind of keep them doing what they need to be doing so a lot of manipulation in these scenes hey um, hey paul i'm gonna ruin something else for you remember when they said there'd be no problems since 98 yeah 
The number one horror film in the U.S. box office in 1998 was Halloween H20, 20 years later, where, the final, where the final girl kills the slasher. Mm. So there you go. That was, mm. that must have been, yeah. Oh, so. interesting. Yeah. Mm, Don't the yeah. final girls usually kill the slasher in a lot of them? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Well, but usually, the, <laughs> but no, usually you, they kill the slasher and then they turn around and he's gone. And he's gone. Oh, yeah. That's he true. chopped his head off. I mean, you know. Now, yes, retroactively, it turns out it wasn't really him, her, her, her. But yeah, as far as the movie goes, yeah, she uh, she definitively killed is that, him. Is that what? Mm -hmm. the, that's not what that was supposed so to be. So there is just a lot to, going on. Oh. You're, you're oh, not no, saying that's what that all... was a reference to, was it? Okay. No, I think it's like it's a, it's it, was, it, was, it was that or the faculty, whichever one makes Paul the saddest. Right. You right. could have right. any, you could have actually picked any year. They could have said 97, 96. Right. And you could find a film that would be appropriate. I'm just trying to make Paul sad. I know, that's right. I'm already sad. <laughs> oh God. Um so I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit. There's all just a lot of stuff that goes down. You know, Marty gets allegedly killed. Uh then they're taken off in the RV. Oh, here's the part. Um, the RV or the the tunnel doesn't collapse. Later in the movie, there's mentioned that it was a glitch, but it it wasn't a glitch. It was something that upstairs did. So I was very curious about that and what your thoughts were. Were they trying to let them get away because they knew that it failed and they were just like, we have to do this over? No, no, it was. Oh, go ahead. Or, no. Yeah, it was Marty. I interpreted it as, as Marty yeah. messing with those electronics mm -hmm. somehow yeah. glitched it. Yeah, because yeah. he actually mentions about 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 messing with them and and they said it's a it was a power reroute from up from upstairs. Upstairs, but yeah. that that means up on the ground oh, level oh, where they were. That's yeah. why Richard Jenkins freaks was. out. That's why he he like freaks out when they say that. But, but they do say that line. They do talk about it being from upstairs before you know that Marty has done what he's done right so at yeah. the, at the, and you so at first you think oh but they mean upstairs like as in management yeah but it i think they but it really literally meant upstairs like up a, above yeah because i think management was. for them is downstairs down below yeah yeah <laughs> thank you for clearing that up for me oh my gosh so yeah that's when kurt tries to jump the ravine and hits the proverbial wall and falls to his death yeah, which is too. really just so good um, it's a really great, really great scene. Uh, I, I do want to. We haven't really talked about it, but since we're kind of going kind of scene by scene, uh, I really love David Julian's score for this movie. And mm -hmm. I think one of the re it's it, he's a great composer. This is actually not my favorite film that he's ever done. Um, his probably the the best score, as far as I'm concerned, is he did the score for Memento, which is just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he, he the thing I love about him he he does he does a lot of these kind of like moody brooding strings, but he also has a lot of these great stingers where he swells the music and it's usually when something terrible is about to happen and that's one of my favorite parts of this scene is he really swells it he he does that like that hero that that's uh, swell of the music and then right before he hits the the wall which I think is is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. One other thing, one other thing about that, and that for some reason I, I didn't think about this until he jumped the thing. But I, I, why were they in a Winnebago? Other than being able to bring that motorcycle, I cannot. I don't know why they were in a Winnebago. Why not? Does that make sense? Maybe you know, it's the I only mean, vehicle they had that could fit five. Maybe miles. it was his cousins. I mean, because you know, at it was his dad's. Winnebago, it's 
it was you the know, Winnebago or Marty's Volvo, and Mar- Marty's Volvo is right. always weed. So, well, <laughs> yeah, I, don't I mean, it kind of makes sense because they, you know, they brought that motorcycle, which they end up using. But as far as those five getting together and going in a, a Winnebago, mm. I, I thought that may play. Like, I thought there may be some more. Um, I don't know. I thought I thought that may play into the plot more, but it, it mm. really didn't. Other than you know, you see the motorcycle on the back of it. And I guess it, it when, when they are going through the tunnel after they come back out, the little girl is in there. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it'd be really hard to do that that part without being right. a Winnebago. So uh, cutting forward here just a little bit, you know, Dana and uh, Holden try to roll out. He gets stabbed in the neck by the Buckner who is still on the uh, in the RV. Um, they crash and cutting to Dana fighting with uh I forget which Buckner it is it's one of the guys on the dock and uh one of my favorite scenes is when it cuts back to the faculty the facility I'm sorry and uh Ario Speedwagon is playing and everyone is having a great time <laughs> yeah yeah I, I got to say this is this is one of the best fake out endings of any movie ever because yes. I'm still sometimes convinced that it's the end of the movie because yes. it's so well done <laughs> It is. It really is. And then, well, of and course, if, if you look, and maybe your first time through, you're not you're not necessarily looking at it. But if you look at what that girl is going through yes. while they're talking, God. it's yeah. like, well, she's she's dead, and then right. she's yeah. not. It's like it's the whole you know bear trap to the back, and then I can run because there was at one point, and I had not noticed this until this viewing of it. But there's one of them is where I don't know what the guy has wrapped something around her neck, and she is literally vomiting a bunch of blood up. And it's like, okay, well, you know, she's done, but no, she, she made it through that and looked really fresh for having gone through that afterwards. She's tough. That's all. Yeah. And it's funny because earlier in the film, it, uh, I forget their names, Bradley and Richard (laughs) both comment on the fight she has and how they're sort of rooting for her in in their own weird way. Yeah. Well, the the other th- the other question I would have about that, and maybe they've got some kind of uh, you know drug to make this happen, but you know they were saying the virgin doesn't have to die mm-hmm. as long as she suffers, and you know she suffered. So if she didn't die and they all got out of this, you know, where what would they do with her? I mean, can they let her go? Do they offer oh. her a job? I mean, you know, what are your options? Offer right. her a job. Well, I think I think they'd just let her go, and and no one would believe her. You know, right, and or like the town be, sheriff rolls up and carts. She'd end up in an insane right. asylum, like everybody in a Lovecraft oh, yeah. story. But I, yeah. you know what? I actually, I think, Alan, that's actually a pretty good idea I, that some of the people that are working in there are survivors of previous uh, storylines. I right? literally yeah. thought of that for some reason. A lot of versions. I literally, <laughs> yeah, they're all. Well, I, I, it's funny you yeah. mentioned that. I, I literally that never occurred to me before until last night when I was rewatching the movie, and I was like, I almost wish that they had dropped some hints to that because that would make perfect sense. Maybe the Harbinger was uh that's why he's so crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they give you a job at the gas station if you make it through. He was the final girl. At it's a what point? Yeah. because and maybe not everybody, but at what point was your turning point where you sort of. I don't know, started or stopped going for one side because there was, uh, there was a point where I, you know, I'm watching the movie and it's like, okay, I want these guys to get out. But then there was a definite turning point where I was like, you know what? I want them all to die. Now I'm going for the people in the facility. And for me personally, and I don't know why it makes no sense, but it was when they blew up the, um, uh, you know, the tunnel. 
Because when he was under there, I mean, it's like they're building that tension. And I'm like, come on, get it going. You need to blow that thing up because you have to kill them. And I realized I want them to die now. I'm going for the people in the facility. But I wasn't the whole movie. I mean, for a while, I was like, wow, you know, you're sort of going for them to get out. And maybe maybe I've just been, uh, you know, programmed to do that. Because in every slasher movie, you sort of pick the one person you want to get out. Because you know there's going to be one. You know, so, okay, who do I want to get out? But at, at that point where they blew that 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 thing up, I, you know, at that point, yeah, I was I was completely, you know, team government or, what, or whatever those people are. You know, I actually than, credit, I, I entirely credit Richard Jenkins' performance in that scene because it's a great, like, it, you know, they've talked about the stakes the whole time, but they've all been kind of laid back and relaxed and joking. And for the first time, we see one of the characters express fear that this right. is actually you know they, they can they keep talking about oh you know oh you know it's just us in japan and, and then oh you know when japan fall that fails they're like they're mad but you don't really see that desperation until all this until the moment that he thinks that they are actually going to escape and his yeah. performance well, and, and of that is great it's funny because the only you know how you know you sympathize with the character you're like oh man i really didn't want that person to die the only person i was you know not you know sad when they died was you know with when the merman he's like oh come on you know i think he's like, merman and he's gonna kill me. I mean, that was the only sad death it's like everybody else they could just rip you apart but it's like ah this guy you know because he was like you know because when you when you switch back to the uh you know like i was talking about going for each side when you switch back to that side you know it's like hey i'm gonna pick somebody you know who do you want to live and it's like i want that guy to live and ah, he gets you know he gets mermaned right when you think of it too, he's the guy who's got a wife at home or a girlfriend yeah. who's they're trying to have a baby together. He's like, oh, I guess that's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. I don't but, know. I, I actually had no sympathy for him because I figured they were, <laughs> I, honestly, I was like, I mean, I liked the characters, but I wasn't like rooting for them because even though we can say, yes, they're trying to save the world, you sit there and go, but in the thousands of years that humanity has been doing this, Instead of simply appeasing the gods, couldn't we have figured something else out? Right. And I guess the answer was no. But the the thing was, I don't think the easy answer for them was to no. Let's just keep and automate this horrible human sacrifice. And so, therefore, I had no sympathy for them. I and, think I I I do wonder though. Like I I almost feel like they were just as instrumental to the whole process as the people who are being sacrificed right like i almost feel and you know this isn't again this isn't actually like mentioned or inferred at all so i'm just kind of like coming up with this but i i almost feel like the p you know a sacrifice uh, a sacrifice e requires a sacrifice er right and so if, right. i feel like maybe if they had uh, tried did you know if they tried to automate or it or anything it's almost like part of the process is having the people who are actually doing the thing and pulling the lever right i don't know right they're, yeah. they're the cultists but yeah I'm saying exactly. I, I i think they should have you know my, my thought was if we want to get into the morality of it which is very silly also why are you trying to take their jobs away paul why are you trying to automate yeah. them out of a job Come i'm on, not man. talking about automation i'm talking about they need to in the tens of thousands of years humanity has been doing this they should have figured out how to destroy the elder gods so we wouldn't have to do this. the elder god with what? <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Hey, I will hey, say hey, though, after that's not my, you know, hey, there are, there are a lot. You know, talking about decision. jobs and job Just creation, right there are a lot of jobs available in that company. My 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 well, my, my role right? yeah. is to point out <laughs> other people's moral failings, not to try and fix it. 
Well, mine is to sit up on my high horse and say <laughs> they're morally wrong. You're they should have done something about this. <laughs> See, by, by the end of the movie, I've got no sympathy with anyone because I, I just I find the ending. I, and look, I wouldn't change the ending. I, I could see where a happy ending could have been found without necessarily having our the characters turn on each other, that maybe the elder gods were happy with the suffering and sacrifice of the entire complex being destroyed by monsters. I mean, that's that's suffering a plenty. I, I would have loved I for this movie been... to have been one of those where they filmed two endings and show them to you. I would have loved for when uh Dana I would have loved for Dana to have shot Marty in the head and, and played yeah. that out as well. Now, I, I, again, that would defeat the whole purpose. So now, that's as far as I feel. Alan, the film. Alan, this is that this is that theme that he keeps threatening us with. Yes. Well, I don't want to ruin it. Oh, Renee said okay. to hold off. So we'll hold I off. know we're good. Oh, I'm so we're sorry. You know, it's it's, it's that war to keep you along, and then you'd be like, "What is it? What is it?" And they'll say be nice to other people <laughs> yeah this had better be the greatest <laughs> theme ever always wash your hands always i'm just trying to clean up your always room. drink your oval team you know how they talk about the 98 incident you they, they talk about the incident in 98 you know what other movie came out in 98 babe pig in the city oh, oh. which which is, is you know huh well that's yeah, obviously reference to also, bacon because yeah. josh whedon really loved bacon <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh my god! All right, I'm gonna hey, rail us. You, you guys have heard about Chekhov's gun, right? How about yeah. Chekhov's bong? Am I right? Oh yeah, that oh, was yeah. great. I love yes. that shot because because I really I think I think Bill asked like, did we think he was dead? Like, yeah, the first time I saw this, I I honestly like the way the movie was going and the way they were killing people off. I honestly I did not expect him to come back. Yeah, because he was stabbed in the back and dragged yeah. into the pit. Yeah. If you die off screen, oh, I don't believe you're. I just don't believe you're dead. I think Amelia Earhart's still alive until even if he had a, a a knife in the back. But yeah. oh yeah, the way he uses that bong was like there, and it and yeah. actually earlier on when he first has the bong, yes, and and can 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 and he said was it like a I think the line something like a, a police will not stop a man with a <laughs> massive bong in his car. Yeah. They fear this man. Yeah. Yes. Apparently, apparently that was it was a fully functional bong and fully functional mug and cost yeah. about five thousand dollars to make. Oh so. my god. You gotta wow. give me really I wonder who, who had that now. Custom well, they expandable mug. Yeah, well that's that's what happens when you let drug users be engineers. I did read that Fran Fran Kranz actually did a quote unquote research and hung out with a bunch of like stoners and I'm not making this up. I actually did read this, whether or not it's true. I think it was on IMDB, which is all bullshit now, but I do like the idea of him doing like research and just like hanging out like to learn like the lingo and I don't know. Yeah. 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 I, I also like to believe that someone he just took that bong home at the end of the day after right. filming. Yes. There was a company that made like them, but they don't room. make them anymore. Oh, gee. Yeah. Were they $5,000? No, they were like 100 and some. See? Ah, yeah. If only this movie had been more successful. Yeah. I know. Um, so, yeah, Marty saves the day with his magical mug bong. And oh. uh, they go to the elevator, which is where things start getting exciting. Um by the way, I, mean, I do like that they say it's yeah. a fully functional mug, as though that's a triumph of engineering. I mean, well, you can, you can put this way. a mug Bill, out of a stick. Bill, Bill, you don't yeah. want to mix up the mug, the, the, the what you're drinking out of, and the bong water. Yeah. Not a good idea. 
<laughs> so they can keep them separate. That's a really that's that's great. A mug is like the simplest thing in the world, and a bong is only slightly more complex. Very slightly. <laughs> but when you combine the two. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's like it's it's the spork of great inventions. It's not really. Well, when you combine the two, you're drinking bong water, aren't that's you? What that's what I said. That's what I said. You design it so you keep the bong water separate. I mean, and it's like let's spill. combine a toilet and a drinking cup. That's Apparently, a good idea. That's a five thousand dollar puzzle to fix. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know, you know, they talked about the 98 incident, right? You know what yeah. other movie came out in 98? Oh, Jesus, what? Spice <laughs> World. Oh, oh shit, that was it. The same. That's in my head That's again and one. now. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. That is the one. That's it. Oh, my and God. You anything else otherwise. So yes. I, I've got to say, as much as I love the rest of this film, I feel like this is when the film goes from great to absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, this is the sort of movie where even though I could watch it over and over and over again, I feel like I could watch this last 20 minutes an infinite yes. number of times and never get yeah. tired of it. Yeah, as soon as the elevator doors open, it ascends to greatness. It does, well, it does. Ascends to greatness. Normally, normally, when you're watching a movie, you're not you're not trying to see, oh gosh, you know, how much longer is it? Because I gotta I gotta finish this movie so I can talk about it on a on a podcast tonight. But I was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and when it got to the end, because you know, I remember the plot. And when it got to that point where basically everything had been revealed, you know, I look and I'm like, oh my gosh, we I got 20 more minutes of this movie. And it is though, it's a great 20 minutes, yes. but you don't even you don't yeah. realize it. And if you look back at this movie and you you explain to anybody like all the stuff that happened, because I remembered, you know, I remembered all this stuff happening. I remember when I when I you know called it up today, it's like this is only like 90 minutes, you know, it's cause it's, they really do pack like two and a half hours into yep. 90 minutes. A lot of stuff happens. Um, but I think it's because they don't spend so much time on one thing. Like, you know, they don't walk down a dark corridor for 10 minutes of the movie and right. then get killed. Right. Yeah. You know, there's not, there's not a lot there's of no filler. time. Yeah. yeah. And say like the thing about Joss Whedon too, like, like regardless of whether or not you like his, the style in which he writes dialogue, like he is a great writer and, you know, he had been working before he kind of got made it big in TV and before he did Buffy and stuff. I mean, he was like a highly sought after script doctor because yeah. he was, he, you know, he, he had, he wrote, uh, uh, he was the co-writer on Toy Story. Um, he was often brought in on films. He's famously, you know, he was brought in on Waterworld and X-Men um, to try to punch the scripts up. And, but I like say what you will though. I mean, like this, film is actually it's amazingly well plotted when you consider there are essentially two different movies happening simultaneously and they fit right. together so well and that they wrote it in three days which is yeah supposedly yeah uh, which is both oh, wow. inspiring and discouraging because i know three, day, <laughs> right. three days from now i will not have a cabin in the woods script type <laughs> yes. yeah but okay when you say you wrote something in three days i mean surely there were there's right. got to be like right. hours of rewrites the, right yeah, I mean, sure I mean, I think you could write the man with two hands in three days. If you, you know, <laughs> probably. I, I, if you I, know I, I see the challenge. If I put my nose to the grindstone, yeah. Actually, I think everyone should write a short story about the man with two hands, and oh I will judge. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> Homework. Um, All right. So we're back yes. to the elevator. We're in the elevator, yes. And we start yeah. moving around, and we see some amazing characters. Uh, mm -hmm. The werewolf, the, the ghost. Wraith, if you will, the sugar uh, sugar plum fairy and Fornicus. Uh, now, the sugar plum fairy is near and dear to my heart because there's there's a a wonderful cosplayer and really really cool person locally, uh, Allie Blackman, and she does 
mm. a spot on perfect cosplay of the Sugar Plum Fairy. I went to a comic book oh, really? and saw it's her amazing, performing yeah. it. Oh, it's amazing. And of course, a crowd around her because she does oh. the whole, she does the ballet. She's got the motion, everything. She just perfect. And then mm. years later, I met her and it turned out and I realized I had met her before, but I, of course, I didn't recognize her because it was just. Is great. this the only film that 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 yes. that character shows up in? Yep. Yeah. I, I don't think I thought I'd though. see it somewhere else, but I think you're right. I think I might. It, it might have been her too. I think I might have seen somebody <laughs> cosplaying it. Yeah, she's the best because it doesn't. Seen, it, it looks almost like a. Uh, oh, what's that? Like a I don't know. Say, I don't know, like Silent Hill type of character. It does or yeah something yeah. yeah. But I think kind of great about like a lot of these you know some of these monsters are very clearly patterned not after specific things but even the right. ones that aren't look like something that remind you of something else yeah like yeah. That, that clunky that clunky robot that's like going down the stairs reminds me of uh the movie hardware which like nobody oh, oh yeah yeah okay, yeah there you go. it's like a scorpion type of it's yeah it's a scorpion actually it's, reminds me of uh, i don't know if anyone's played half-life but there are like worker bots uh, that are look kind of similar to that if you gave the military a billion dollars and said, make us a killer robot, well, what kind of killer robot? Just make it so it could kill anyone. It's like, okay. Or just add things to it. It's going to have a hard time walking, but it can definitely kill you. Yeah, I was, I was kind of wondering how the ghost or the wraith or whatever it was was actually killing people because it seems like, you know, you, it would go through you. Maybe it could, I don't know. Not it looks like it could, like, materialize because yeah. it was, like, hanging on the, the wall. Mm. Uh, well, what's great of, is, uh, we're, you're, oh. Oh no no! I was just gonna say. Speaking of speaking of Half Life, uh, uh, there is actually a I believe a cameo in that scene from a character from another Valve game, uh, Left 4 Dead 2, which apparently there was gonna be like a crossover and they were gonna produce content for the game, but then the game uh, the movie got uh, delayed and they canceled that. But uh, I guess the there's a boomer in there from from Left 4 oh. Dead. So I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of cool. One of the things I, I think I was just going to say about it was Bill mentioned how, how well plotted it is. What, a lot of those things aren't just arbitrary things. They tie back to the board. They tie back to the right. People said they tie back, like we said, to individual props in in the basement that, again, you, you go back the first time you see it, they just seem like random props. Yeah. So, yeah. But Tim, you go again, you're like, oh, it's that. I mean, and so everything's really nicely tied together. Yeah. Um, you Watching it the second or third time you see that. Yeah. About that when they were in the elevator and stuff it, like I got the the idea that there were, there were a lot of these things that looked like they were influenced from the past. And now that we're, you know, 10 years later, you can sort of see some things that were influenced by this. There was, so the, what do you call the guy with the, with the, the little puzzle? Oh, right, the um, Fornicus. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, obviously that looks like something from Hellraiser. I mean, sure. right. you know, I thought Hellraiser when I saw that, but yeah. those, those guys with the masks on where they just kind of walked on it was, a, and it was a family, you know, that oh, made me feel like, uh, the, the, well, and there's other movies like, but, uh, the strangers and the purge, yeah. mm -hmm. I mean, they were, they were masks just like that. So it's kind of interesting to see that it looks like, you know, some previous movies influenced a lot of the mm -hmm. monsters and some of these, you know, have, have probably influenced some movies since then. Mm, I think they do actually mention that there are, you know, they do specifically bring out like the alien beast is inspired by, you know, the alien. Um, oh, little yeah. and, and obviously, the, obviously the twins are um, exactly yeah. Yeah. The shining. I mean, yeah. they're, they're two little right. girls like holding hands. It's like, yeah, that's got to be, you know, and right. it, maybe it's supposed to be the twins from the shining. You know, yeah, they, yeah. They, they highly possible. Them. 
Yeah. And then they, you know, mentioned there are just some generic, like, you know, giant uh, tarantula or things like that. Just you know, I, the one I didn't see is there's there was one on the board called the giant. Did anybody see that? Character? Um, I don't remember, but I there's a shot of him in a I think a behind the scenes thing I saw. I could probably find oh. it and send it to you. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, because I like Paul, I will not go look it up. <laughs> no, you can look it up. There's a big difference. It's the there's a big difference if it's put yeah. in there. Well, one of the nice things is there. There's so much in there that you oh, know. Oh, you oh I'm sorry. It. You mean there actually was a giant? They're not something that somebody like a. Well, sorry, there's a, a giant is a giant. There's a difference between that and something called Kevin. But anyway, yeah, but he could have been a weird. <laughs> giant he could have been a giant with two hands well i like this there's so much going on that you know you're you're looking at especially the first time you see it you know there is more stuff there and you know it and even if you watch it two or three times and even if you like try and stop and pause it you know there's so much stuff there that that's the kind of stuff that really expands that world expands Mm -hmm. that um because everything on the board isn't everything they had because he's like that's just what people had bet on um so it's it's kind of cool like when when they're one thing actually i was thinking also when they're going through the elevator and that's when you first see that just the the sheer number of monsters Mm -hmm. and and creatures it's it's like literally being on a haunted house ride because they're moving along and you're seeing another one and they're moving along and seeing another one which i thought that was really kind of fun too that it was like you're literally on a haunted house ride at that point and i am trying to remember did did any of the monsters attack each other that's a great question. So. No. I don't think they did. No. There was there was no. so much at, at the point where all the monsters were coming out. There are so many people for them to attack, and and so much th- so many things are flying around because I really wanted to see if any of the monsters attacked each other. No, I don't think and they did. I, I don't remember it happening. And and even if it did, there were there were there were definitely like groups of monsters that did not seem to have interest in attacking each other. Yeah. I think they, they, they almost seemed scene. oblivious to each other. Yeah, there was right. a scene that was almost like teamwork, though, when a dude like threw a guy over the balcony and the lizard or the snake yeah. caught it. Yeah. yeah, so that was nice team building. They've been they've been raised to hate humans, not to fight yeah. each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so things are getting kind of crazy, and um, at this point, uh, Marty and Dana have gotten into the elevator and decide to purge the system, which we've talked about. Um, of course, at this point, oh, go ahead. Oh no! I, I was gonna say I will say that this this feels like the moment when this film becomes. I mean, it's spent a lot of the 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 prior hour or so has been kind of uh, almost not lampooning, but kind of skewering. You know, the the traditional horror tropes, and it feels like this is when it becomes a full on just love letter to horror fans because oh, yeah. it's it's just it, this is like one of maybe one of 20 moments in any horror film ever yeah that great moment it's so well edited where the guards are just standing there and then you hear the ding and then i think one of them says like shit or something and then you get yeah. that wide shot of just all the all the uh all the doors opening they're just, just destroyed and and <laughs> yeah this is, for for a monster movie fan which i certainly yeah was, and i have been all my life when i was a kid there was a there was a show called lost in space and the best mm-hmm. episode they ever had was about this alien called the Keeper, played by Michael Rennie from Day the Earth Stood Still. And he has a spaceship full of monsters. It's like a zoo. And at the end of the episode, Dr. Smith, because he's an idiot, somehow presses the button that we always have in these things. They have it here, too. The button that just like, why would you put that there? It lets everything loose. There's no reason why that button should exist, but it's there. 
It's like the lever in Bride of Frankenstein that blows everything up. And uh, it, all the monsters come walking out of the spaceship. And that was the end of that episode. It was a two-parter. And man, I could not wait a week to find out because they just showed all these monsters. They took every costume they used in the show up to that point and just had them walking out over and over again, like a hundred times. Um, it was great. And that's that's what this reminds me of. This is destroy all monsters. You know, you just, it's like, wouldn't it be cool if all the yeah. monsters, yeah, yeah, this is it. This is the probably the closest we'll ever have to a real monster mash. And um, no one, I don't think anyone else will ever be able to do it because you, you're like, how yeah. could that even happen? What premise would work where all the monsters come together? Well, here you go. Here's here's how it works. Can't be and, done. And, you know, people people talk about movies like, um, you know, Halloween or, or whatever. Pick pick mm -hmm. your movie that was, you know, OK, this was the invention of the slasher genre or subgenre. And, you know, everybody remembers Halloween. Is there another movie out there like this one that? kind of subverts the uh the i mean you could argue that sc the scream movies kind of not, not necessarily, uh, oh, I, yeah not i think this is definitely a logical ex extension of the scream films yeah no, okay yeah well, and not even that but I'm, i mean sort of like a not even in the same vein because yeah i see what you're saying about scream because scream definitely fits that category but like it's like a breakout movie in a subgenre of horror like slasher or this or yeah scream scream was great it's like oh my god two killers you can't have two killers you know that was like the it was like the first time that happens i mean i actually you know i was actually thinking about this sorry sorry to cut in but i i, I have i have input because i was thinking about this earlier and i think that in terms of like meta horror i actually think that this is closer to west craven's new nightmare than scream because it's actually explaining the existence of you know real evil or whatever right and it's taking something that you've seen in movies a hundred times right. and right. it's saying no, no this is this actually exists and this is why Okay, yeah. Uh, interesting, yeah. But, yeah, in terms of... Yeah, I was asking more for my personal benefit of what I should watch. Than, uh... I don't... Yeah, I don't, <laughs> think, I don't think that there is anything else like this, and I think it's for the very reason that we've been talking about. This is a film that's beloved by horror fans, but, you know, when when you know the new halloween movie makes 150 million dollars it's not because horror fans are going to see it it's because the general audience is going to see it right, right. so a, a right. film like this that doesn't, doesn't really i think there are, if anything i would i could imagine that there are probably more like novels or stuff like that that's more similar to this right mm -hmm. that's I, i'll bet that's true i mean because i would almost like in this in the category like you know, I, I mean, you know, you can put Halloween if, you know, we, we'd all seen, I'd seen 10 slasher movies before I saw Halloween. So it it's not like that came along and it's like, wow, there's this, you know, this slasher genre. But I mean, I would, you know, that, this, um, I would put Scream in that category. I would probably even put, um, at least for me, the, the Purge in that category. I, when that came out, I had never seen a movie you know like about that i mean it's not that you know yeah we've seen a lot of movies where you know people go around and get killed or whatever but it, it, i don't know there's just something about that movie it's like this is i haven't seen this before you know when that comes out it's and scream i mean i had not you know that was sort of a new concept um yeah i think i think uh if has anyone seen behind the mask the rise of yeah, leslie yes Grimmins? yes yeah that, that kind of fits into the same the same mm -hmm. category too Actually, I think we're, it's we're, we're getting close to, to talking about the theme. Oh, oh my God. Nice to there? No, no. And I think there's a lot that ties into the reason they do that. But Renee, do you want to get back to? Yeah, because we're we're getting pretty close. I was we're almost gonna... there. We're almost there. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, I think I think also I think when they 
cut down the cast and when they've killed a, 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 a they've killed off a couple other people i think that this is also when i start really liking uh christian Connolly. and i think that her like in the end like her and marty are actually some of the best scenes mm-hmm. and i really appreciate i almost wish that either the cat i mean obviously you know they had as many people as they needed uh, or as they had because of the the you know the, the reasons that the 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 facility had but um, I, I, I don't know. I almost wish that I, I would have watched just a movie about like those two characters, because mm-hmm. I don't know, for, for some reason, when when she kind of when she gets rescued and they're starting to like realize what's going on, I, I, she, she was good in the rest of the movie. But for some reason, that's when her performance like really clicks for me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, I guess I, I heard everything you said, except where you said that started. Oh, just just at this part, once once it's basically just her and Marty, and they've dispensed with all the other characters, and oh, you know, okay. it's basically just them trying to survive, and yeah. uh, probably also because she does, she has that turn where she goes from being a victim to being more badass and being like, yeah, fuck these people, you know, when they when they smash the the button to open up the the elevators. Hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, unfortunately for Hadley. Mr. Bradley Whitford, he gets to see a merman. Yeah, I love the callback because I think uh, when they're talking about the merman earlier, don't they say something about like, oh yeah, we we had one of those that one time, and you know the cleanup was just terrible, <laughs> and then they <laughs> and then they show the yeah, basically when you get eaten by them, you you just get like pureed out the blowhole. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I actually saw no, some. Right around, right around that, the same time when um, the other character, I forget his name, when he finally dies, I had to rewatch it today to hear his last words twice. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't tell if he had said because at that point I thought maybe he had sort of turned to the other side because I thought he said "kill it" and then died, but I rewatched it and no, he really did. Oh. He said, "He said kill him." talking about right so he was i thought i was like did he said did he say kill it you know talking about like the gods or whatever but no he was still i watched it again and i was like okay he did say kill him yes which also interesting about that scene is dana sort of seems to pick she's like what is he talking about um whereas poor marty is just like he must be talking about someone else let's go here hold my gun um so (laughs) it's just uh interesting the uh interpretation of that line um, so, you know, at this point, just well, like, it's almost said, like, it's almost like he expected her to know what he was talking about. It's like, why yeah. would I kill him? You know I mean? It, 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 it makes right. no sense at that point. It, you know? Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, so yes, they get to that point. Then all the next thing you know, they're in the chamber and, uh, Sigourney Weaver shows up. <laughs> I, I will say, I do remember very distinctly when I first watched this movie, and you you actually because she talks to them she yeah she, she's on the intercom before you see her and as soon as she came on i was like oh my gosh yeah because like, it's funny because this film doesn't really have any for a film that's all about yeah. horror and horror tropes it doesn't go in on the like doing a bunch of cameos or anything which i kind of appreciate except for her i mean yeah. I, I i love her i'm just saying yeah that's the only cameo they have yeah. but it's great right because aside yes. from her voice that you heard you you don't even know she's there until well, literally the I, I very end even, of the movie. I wouldn't even call this a cameo. I mean, this is a part. I mean, she she didn't just breeze through. I mean, she was. I mean, she was well, in a whole. Sigourney scene. Weaver never breezes yeah. through anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's more than a cameo, but it's a it's a bit part. Is it is a pivotal role 
obviously, but yeah. Who can we get for one day that everybody knows? Mm-hmm. But I think it works too, because she does, I mean, she has that presence and she has that authority and I would definitely buy her as kind of at the top of this organization that's keeping the world safe, but in, you know, in doing so killing people every, every year, sacrificing them. Well, and she, she, she almost, she essentially does convince Dana that to, to kill Marty. She was about to actually kill Marty. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I mean, she, uh, she did her job. Did, did, right. uh, did Paul, did you say the theme yet? Or is this where you tell us what it is? I, I was waiting for Renee to let us say the, with the oh, theme. Oh, okay. I know. I'm going to hold that. We're going to go through around, the plot. And then talk like about 945 would be a good time. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> my question, my, my question to, to you guys is, and I think we kind of, we kind of touched on this actually at the very beginning, but if you had the gun, what would you do? I would have shot Marty. I mean, I would have shot Marty. Oh yeah, I would have shot Marty. <laughs> oh, we told you not going to. Actually, sorry, sorry. Let me let me ask another question because obviously yeah. you're all a bunch of maniacs. Um, uh-huh. If you were if you were Marty, what would you have done? Thank I you. I would have rushed her and pushed her down into the pit. <laughs> Something right. Left I would have shot, my, I shot myself and gone out a hero. I would have shot. My, I would have been the greatest hero who ever lived, even though nobody would know it. I would have saved eight billion lives. To me, it wasn't even about whether or not you could convince her to shoot Marty. It was it was more about can you convince her that all of this is real? And yes, that's yes. what I'm saying. Kind of yeah, like, yeah. But the thing was, is I think most people were almost surprised. Wow, I can't believe you didn't shoot him after everything you've just been through. Because surely you well, she would have been convinced that yeah. you know this is true. And she, she was about to. Well, she was about to till she got attacked by the werewolf. Right. Mm-hmm. And then she even says, I'm sorry, I almost shot you. Oh, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. I, I think, I think that's actually one of my, my, my only problem with this scene is giving the, giving her the option of shooting him and saving the world or not. And, and, you know, condemning the world. The only problem I have with that is, yeah, like, okay, they've, they've gone through all this stuff. Obviously they've seen all this thing, all these things, but there's nothing Basically, Sigourney, you know, the the director is putting the is connecting the dots for them. But then that you have to assume that she actually believes what she's saying. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's all the stuff that she's seen. I mean, it's at that point. It's like, well, I I, it's it's a lot easier to believe that once you've seen things like Fornicus and the Wraith and the murder, and the and you can hear the rumblings of the thing down below. In fact, don't they even look over the edge, I thought, at one point? They, they look over the edge and they see yeah, something. Looks, right, so I'm yeah. saying that... To me, it just looked like a pit. Well, it's, well, we didn't see what they saw. They see so. like a writhing mass or something in there, yeah. I think. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I didn't find it too hard to believe that she thought she saw that, believed it, but anyway. Fair enough. Well, Patience yeah. Buckner rolls in to save the day. Yeah, but, uh, she's the real hero of the movie. She is the real yeah. hero of the or movie. Or she was I've... the real villain. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, if you're yeah. rooting for the Elder yeah, which which I'll, I'll actually brings brings uh brings up another question, which is is this uh, is this movie uh, pro marijuana or anti marijuana? I can't decide. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> true. Technically, technically, that is what really doomed the world, right? Well, as a non marijuana smoker, I mean, can anybody smoke that much marijuana in that amount of time? Because there wasn't really a scene where he wasn't. I mean, you know. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, he's a professional. The answer is yes. Yeah, I was gonna say. (laughs) Anyone want to officially answer that question? 
I think somehow that ties into the theme. Like, what if my boss listens to this? No. Oh, yeah. Just well. kidding. Hey, one, one more hit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what what else he can do before the world ends? <laughs> That's what Bernie said. Work <laughs> <laughs> uh, it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, Paul, you want to talk about the themes? Yes, yes. I mean, oh, I mean it's not, not anything genius by me because it's pretty much been stated by by Joss Whedon. And, it better and, be uh, genius if you're waiting this long. No, I mean, so part of it is, you know, a lot of the film is, is subverting expectations. But what they actually even said is this was, it was a, was they said they called a love-hate letter or hate-love letter to horror. Mm-hmm. They loved horror, but they hated what it had become. There had mm-hmm. been a lot, of, a lot of things like torture porn. It had just become just mired in these tropes and even with screams and 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 all the sort of meta horror that came after that that itself became a trope and so they were just they were tired of that and sick of that and so they wanted to tear that up and they wanted to much like the last jedi tear it down and destroy it and save the stuff they love to save save the genre they loved so the, the whole idea is tearing down these tropes um saying look at this this is this is garbage but we love this and kind of so it's that whole love and hate of we must destroy it. But in the same process, the film itself is sort of a have it cake and eat it too. Boy, look at this this torture porn and the the the, the, the gratuitous gorgeous for gore is kind of dumb. Oh, but look, the last twenty minutes is just this amazing gore fest. Which right. in that case, it reminds me a lot of Funny Games. I don't know if you've ever seen Funny oh, God, Games. Oh yes, yes, the original or the remake, which is very oh, much. Which is very much they remade that. He re- yeah. well, uh, yeah. The the director remade it in English. It was originally yeah. So, oh, then I must have seen the remake. Yeah, but he made it shot for shot, is my understanding. It's but virtually the, thing is, the same movie. It's baffling. Yeah, and and well, I think the, I think part of that was again his point, which is he was condemning this like excessive screen violence where people are are so removed from it, and so. And so he wants to bring people in, but then the film itself yeah. is excessively violent. So yeah. it's blah, blah, take, blah. Well, that's what I'm saying. But I'm not I'm not the one I'm just saying this is what it is. I, no, no, I, no, I totally I totally get that. But it to listen, I, I've never bought yeah. that bullshit. It's it's like my favorite is Cannibal Holocaust, because I love that movie. And I defended it every opportunity I can because it's indefensible. Is it is that the one that reminded me of my childhood? Yes, it is. And okay. and the thing the cannibal holocaust has the best thing after after reveling and bathing in gore and gratuitous rapey violence decapitation castration every all this horrible stuff things you've never seen before so awful that the filmmakers are almost put in jail because people thought they really killed someone at the end of the movie the main character has the balls to like walk out and with disgust kind of look at the camera and say sometimes i wonder who the real cannibals are and there's right. your, there's your social value and everything it's like wow makes you think doesn't make me think anything at all this is just like when russ meyer was making his, no. his softcore porn films and then would stick in like 10 minutes at the end of all this social value and statements and everything to justify because now it's got redeeming social value it's like okay, i disagree whatever. completely because if you watch this film all throughout the film, they are subverting the tropes. They are. Oh, oh no, no, I agree. They're, they're, I agree. So with it, that. It's not like Cannibal Holocaust at all. I mean, if Cannibal Holocaust was, well, we, less we, anyway, the, yeah. the, it was, it, it's, it, I, the, the, the whole point of the film is, gosh, we love horror. We, yeah. we love these things about it, but it, it's become rote. It's become the same thing 
we want to tear it down and we want to see something new and not just new because yeah. it's meta making fun of something old. We want something completely new. And so the kind of the question is, even though the film wasn't successful financially, was it successful yeah. in that? I mean, what kind no, of films no, I, have you I, seen I, in the past 10 years that were horror? I get what and they're trying to do, but, but yeah. you know, there's a part of me that's just like, it's like, hey, gratuitous nudity is ridiculous. And to prove that point, here's Anna Hutchinson with her top off. Well, that that's how do you, how do you that's, that's why I said it's the 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 have your cake and eat it too. But again, right. it's also the the condemnation of the audience while still titillating them because he says, "Oh, you're not the only one watching," you know, which in the in the context of the movie means, "Oh, the elder that's gods true. are watching," but it also means the audience is watching, and we're doing this because if we didn't have those boobs in the movie, then people would be like. Where were boobs in my horror movie? You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, true, we've we've right? dealt with that, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think I think that is there, and I think it's that's part of that whole whole theme. And again, that's why, especially that part is what reminded me of Funny Games, which is like, look, we're put this in here because of you. You're demanding this, aren't you? Terrible, but we're the ones putting it in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, I was not so, a big fan. Yeah, that's anyway. kind of one of the things I love about this movie is when people don't like it it just kind of tickles me because i'm like oh you just don't get it like yeah just don't get it yeah. <laughs> it's a little no, that, I, think, I honestly think that's why they don't like it they didn't. Mm -hmm. i haven't met anybody that didn't like this movie i mean okay oh, I have. i'm sure there's a lot of people out there that don't like horror but i mean if you met somebody that likes horror that didn't like this movie insane I, i've not personally met anybody but i was noticing some reviews when i was looking around and it really surprised me that's i i don't know that the people i've i've heard dislike it are big horror fans but i i, I okay so i'd say when, when some of my students ask you know what's a good horror movie you're a big horror movie fan i mentioned cabin in the woods and a lot of them are like nah that was stupid so i, I think they just Ugh. didn't get it mm -hmm. Because it ain't stupid. Whatever you know, yeah. whatever you say about this, stupid well, is not the word to use. Right. Some people would refer to it as more of an intellectual movie. I which, would. You know, I don't want to insult anybody when I say, you know, maybe you don't get it. But I, I don't know. To call this movie stupid and to say that you like horror movies, I, it it like it, it's like Renee says. I you just didn't get it. I mean, yeah. And there's not really a whole lot you need to get. It's like yeah. if you like horror movies and you don't like this one. It's like, you know, what are you talking? It's like. I've never seen a slasher movie. We'll watch uh, Friday the 13th or Halloween. I didn't like it. Well, I, I mean, do you really like horror? Because. Well, I think people. I, mean, didn't I, like I understand it. that, you know, I understand that, you know, Jason X, you know, you've yeah. seen the other nine and it's like, uh, you know, whatever. But if you've never seen anything like this and I don't think anybody, I mean, there really hasn't been a movie like this. It's like, it's like, well, you know, what did you not like about this? I mean, did you. Did you no, want I, another... I think I know. I think I know what it is. I th I think for a lot of them, they were so confused by the back and forth when they when they go to the office scenes, they just tuned out because they they didn't yeah. get it. They were confused and they tuned out. If you tune out, then it's just a bunch of you know middle aged guys jabber jawing with each other about stuff that has nothing to do with what you thought this movie was, and you don't you're not listening, and so you're not getting drawn into it. And then when the movie lurches to the point where that stuff is what it, it's all about you're you're just not engaged enough to appreciate the big payoff you know it's it's like it's like someone not listening to the intro of a joke and to, and then when you get to the punchline i don't get it well if you'd listen to what everything was going up there you'd get the punchline but now you don't get it. and those scenes it, it's like 
I mean, they're so perfect, perfectly timed. I mean, they don't yeah. go on for too long. I get, I get what you're saying. I could agree with what you're saying. If those, if those scenes went on for too long, it, it reminds me of my mom. My mom used to always, we, you know, we would watch these made for TV movies. And for some reason, 15 minutes before it was over, she'd be like, I'm going to bed. Let me know what happens tomorrow. Uh, yeah. I just like, come on. You watched an hour and 45 minutes of this, you know, the commercials, because this was, you know, the early 80s, and, you know, and, and, and let me tell you, there were lots of times she'd be like, so what happened to that movie? And I told her, she's like, really? He was, you know, he was the villain. It's like, yeah, you should have watched the last 15 minutes. She just made stuff up. She just did. Then the aliens came down. Yeah. Oh my God, mom, you missed it. He had two hands. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, speaking of great payoff. Yeah, I was I was kind of surprised. I when I went to the IMDb page and it does have a seven, which it's I mean it's you know it's a decently high score, but at the same time, very often you see kind of cult classic films with a you know a a, a, you know around an eight or something. And I was looking at the reviews, and yeah, it just seems like there are a lot of people that had no idea what the movie was supposed to be or like you said bill i wonder if people i actually i feel weird saying that yeah people just don't get it because to me it's not the sort of film that really requires any analysis or thought right like and i don't mean that in a bad way but it's just like yeah it's not like oh oh if you don't understand the symbolism like no it's very straightforward it's not possession. Yeah. Talking about this, it, this is not a seven from you know people where you make a movie and you've right. got ten people that hate you and they can bring your number down. I mean, yeah. there's hundreds of thousands of people that have you know rated this. Seventy five thousand people rated this movie. Yeah, and, and it's the most 7-0. popular. The most popular one. I was thinking maybe a bunch of the ones there. It's actually a perfect bell shaped curve, and the most popular number is seven. Yeah. Uh, you know, 25 percent of the people. Rated seven. Fully half of the people who rated this movie rated it at a seven or below, which is crazy. That curve needs to be nudged up quite a bit. And uh, I could get that number two if it had, uh, if if it was mainstream, more more like more main. If mm-hmm. it had done better, a lot of people may have gone to see this movie that didn't like horror movies, and they're like, ah, you know, it's it's a horror movie. Yeah. But that, I don't think that's the case here. I wonder if some of the people didn't like the the ending in terms of just because of the whole subverting expectations. I mean, even yeah. get to the ending and you're like, oh, well, they're going to save it in the end because, you know, you can't destroy the whole world and they destroy the whole world. And even the people who are like, oh, it's okay, destroy the whole world. The Elder God's cool. We're going to see some Lovecraft stuff. Wait, it's a hand? You know, it's it's not a tentacle? So, I mean, you know, even like that kind of stuff, I wonder if he had people yeah. who were just so disappointed because they were like, oh, it's going to, so he's going to save the day at this or, oh, yeah. he's going to accidentally die and, and that'll save it. I mean, mm-hmm. I wonder if part of it was just that people like you know not not wanting the ending I, to die. I'm, i think well, i, I didn't, may I be didn't right. like the ending in that i didn't like the ending in that like aspect of it however i i i like that the ending is at least deterministic it it's not like what happened right oh I, yeah yeah I, and not i like fully inception. accept right yeah <laughs> i fully <laughs> accept and understand the ending mm-hmm. right I exactly like yeah. a different ending There's... and i can't tell you what hey, i want the ending hey, to I... be can I just interrupt for a minute? I just I just want to say I think uh, Paul is 100% on the mark, and here's my evidence. Uh, just on a whim, I decided to click on The Mist. The Mist Ooh. has a 7.1 rating. Uh, and the, and the lar- it's, a, it's also a bell-shaped curve where the largest one is right at a 7. If you 
give a downbeat ending. And I think I'm not speaking out of school here. Most of us would agree uh, that the mist is not the happy go lucky ending that a lot of people might have been hoping for. Oh um, man, what a great <laughs> ending. That's completely different. I mean, what what would you expect the ending to be here? There's only two possibilities. Right, right? but yeah. the whole thing is like, you know. Do you know the highest rated film on the IMDB is? What? The room? No, it's actually another Frank Darabont film. It's the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah. Um, which does have an upbeat ending. Right. There you go. There yep. you go. Oh, but yeah, The Mist. We, we'll have to talk about that one someday. Yeah. yeah. Yes, definitely. I love that. that that's like the, yeah. the, that was the best kick in the nuts I ever got. Oh, my wife gave me <laughs> nice. 30, my wife gave 30 <laughs> looks all the way home that I oh, inflicted. No. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh. So, you know, it's hard sometimes, obviously, to see things, you know, the the way that other people do. I love a movie where everyone's dead in the end. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's dead. Same. Yeah. Yeah, right? And well, so I watch a lot it. of movies. You should watch a lot of movies from the 1930s and 40s because everyone who was in that uh, movie is dead. Uh, well, I'll tell you right now, I would much rather not like the ending than have no idea what happened. I hate mm-hmm. having to yes, go online yes, and say, what happened in the end what of, you know, that yeah. Lord, yeah. Again, that's the thing. You don't have to go and look up a, uh, you know, a, a syn- uh, or a yeah. uh, Explains video, video? Yeah. or yeah, someone's uh, thesis on what the film represented. Like it's it's a very straightforward film. I don't know. Yeah. I was just gonna, have you noticed that how often it is back when movies did come out in theaters that immediately there would be an article uh, on on the internet the next day. What did the ending to yes. blank 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 mean? And I'm thinking, man, if I'm a studio executive and and that article is getting any hits whatsoever, I am firing the people who made that movie, and they never get to make a movie again. But they, no one, they come out about everything now, though. That's the funny thing. Oh, they yeah. Used to, yeah. What yeah. did the ending of Wonder Woman 1984 I, mean? I, I like, saw that. You're an idiot that you looked up this article. That's what it means. Be ashamed of yourself. What did the ending of Big Mama's House mean? <laughs> <laughs> since, since we've been we've been dunking on other people's ratings, do we want to get into our own ratings? Yeah. Sure. I, normally, uh, sure. normally we talk about franchise and legacy, but I, I, there's no yeah. franchise and, and probably no legacy. Well, I don't because... know. Legacy wise, actually, I do, I do bring up the question. I think they, they had, they, it was a stated goal of theirs that they wanted to kind of, again, kind of just tear down horror because they were sick of what was there and wanted to see something new. And the question is, I mean, I think we have seen a lot of new films in the past eight years. A lot of things we hadn't seen before. Um, a lot of like art, a lot of art house horror, but I don't, yeah, I, I don't think they actually influenced it. Uh, yeah, I no, think it, no, I think I, it was, I, oh, good. No, no, I'd love to say Cabin in the Woods influenced a lot of the great <laughs> movies we've seen, but I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I think, I think maybe it, but it might be that the time was right, that there was a lot of people were getting tired of basically the same old shit. I, that's why, yeah, that, yes. yeah, that, yeah, and so that's, so I think it was, it was just the right time, but yeah, I, I don't think they directly led to like hereditary, you know, yeah. anything like that. So I, yeah, I, I think also re- remember that this movie was released two years later than it was actually shot. And mm-hmm. I think that it, it's kind of, um, I don't know. I kind of wonder if things would have been different if, uh, if it had actually come out, like when it was originally planned to, because when you think of, uh, the, the torture porn stuff and, and all this stuff in like the, the mid two thousands, like obviously 
we've moved past that and a, a lot of you know a lot of stuff has happened since then i think uh, what was it like late 2000s when bloom house really started getting going and and i think you know paranormal activity came out i think in like what 2009 or something and that was really like that was what really swung things i think to a different type of horror sub subgenre and I, I don't know. I, I think that it I think that if if this film had come out maybe a little bit earlier and been a little more successful and hadn't gotten lost in the shuffle, maybe it would have had a little more influence, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah no, I agree. I, I did, did you have info on like why did it sit for two years? It it was because of MGM, because they had they had uh you know, they were gonna release it, but MGM I think was, you know, going bankrupt at that time. I think it was also be why uh yeah, like I said, I think the Hobbit films got delayed. I think maybe one of the James Bond films got kind of got delayed. But yeah, it was it was basically them just not being able to release it because they didn't have any money. So yeah, ratings. Who wants to go first? Uh, I, I'd actually like to go first because yeah. I have one other thing that I wanted to mention that I just realized. Uh, you know, they talk about the the incident in 1998. You mm -hmm. know what other film came out? in 1998 <laughs> no, wait this is a real one this is a real one because oh. i actually i want to believe this one is real deep rising starring treat williams oh which wow. is a phenomenal phenomenal film yeah. that Good no one's seen and uh if you watch at the end of that movie they get away from the monster and then they tease there being another monster on the island so that kind of fits in with the theme of this movie yeah. um so anyways no so that's going to be that's my new canon it was deep rising was part of the uh cabin of the woods universe I like um it. Yeah, and no. That uh, was that tentacle that grabbed. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Amy. What are, yeah, and, and Gre that was it. It was the yeah. deep rising. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Amy Acker gets gets yeah. caught by the tentacle. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, this is this is a tough one because I think it's this is one of those movies where there are parts of it, and by parts of it, I mean like the last twenty minutes, which I like. If the whole film was that, or if this was a short film that was just that, it would probably be like one of my top five films of all time. Um, I like, I like the entire film. I, you know, like I said, there are some things that don't necessarily click for me, but I think overall, you know, it, it does succeed in what it sets out to do, which is kind of subverting, not just subverting the horror genre, but doing something genuinely different. Like it doesn't just try to have a clever twist at the end where the writers want you to, you know, applaud and how how clever they are at being able to fool you. Um, so yeah, I I think this is, I don't know, this is kind of hard for me to rate, but uh, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go with four VHS tapes on this one because it's it's uh, yeah it's it's so well made it's it's you know it's it's well acted for the most part it's well written I think you know it, one of the th problems that horror films have often have is they are kind of there are a lot of the the technical aspects are not necessarily so well done um but this one i mean it's 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 edited it's shot it's the music's great everything about it is great so yeah i'm gonna say four four out of five you want to go sure <laughs> um let's see uh so we're doing four we're doing out of five uh i'm gonna give it cabin in the woods i'm probably gonna give it a four and a half four and a half out of five um i, I there's very little there's there's really not much i i don't totally enjoy about this movie and it's it's one of the best monster movies ever made and i love monster movies and this is this is just got it there it's clever it's smart it it's got some funny bits in it 
it, if you if you like Joss Whedon, and again, there was a time when we all did. Um, and, and and again, you know, okay. I mean, the guy. Listen, I wouldn't want necessarily anyone I care about to work with him. You know, there there seems to be some toxic uh, qualities involved in everything. But that that we shouldn't throw out the baby with the bathwater. He gave us Buffy. He gave us Angel, um, Firefly. You know the guy. The guy had the mightiest touch. Avengers is a great movie. I I love Avengers: Age of Ultron. Even he, so, he showed us that superhero movies how big they can go and and still be entertaining. Maybe there's a way out of the woods for him. I don't know. Or maybe he's just going to rest on his laurels. It doesn't look good since he apparently got kicked off his last project, or maybe he left on on his own. Who knows? Hmm. But he did some great stuff, and this this is probably not one that gets mentioned as much as the others do because it you know it just didn't catch on with the audience the way Buffy and Angel did. But this is this is a great film that I think will stand the test of time. It's got a kind of an ageless quality to it. I, I don't see that this is going to seem um, quaint and out of place ten twenty years from now, and will hopefully take its take its place in. Uh, as as one of the great horror movies of uh, the two thousands, Alan. So yeah, this this um, this movie is 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 tough to grade. It's I, when I think of this movie, I mean, what I'm thinking about is this. Okay, I could just give you my rating and go, but th- this is a five that I had to cut down to a four, and then I had to give it some extra credit back. Mm-hmm. So uh, if that if that even makes sense, um, so. In my mind, the, watching this movie as a horror movie, I mean, this this movie is a five. So there, there's a couple of things I'm going to take points away with that I'll probably take flat from you and everybody else. And <laughs> But the nudity, get rid of the nudity. Just get rid of it. It's one scene. It's there just for nudity's sake. Get rid of it. Um, it was I'm there not for a, commentary, Alan. It was for commentary. I, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. There's always a reason it was part for of the a, theme. Woman to take, a woman to take her time theme. off. But, yeah, I would I would get rid of the nudity and um, God, so much cussing. I, 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 when I write movies, I never I never write cussing. Uh, people can say that, well, in real life, you would cuss. It's like, well, movies aren't real life. It's too much cussing. So I took off a point, a full point for that. I, I kind of feel bad but that then, I didn't that. But then <laughs> I had to give it extra credit because as a plot, and if you could, if, 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 I could go back to 12 year old Alan and watch this on TV where they would obviously cut all that stuff out. Yeah. It would still be just as good of a movie. Now I'll, I will give you the guy screaming at those nine year olds in Japan on the screen. Yeah. That is probably the funniest use of cussing I've ever seen. But um, anyway, I had to go back and give it extra credit because it is such a great movie. So I'm giving it 4.5 um, rewound VHS tapes out of five. Right. How about you, Paul? Well, um, I actually have my own theory about the the incident in ninety eight. Uh, Nineteen ninety eight was also when uh, Gus Van Zant did his shot for shot remake of Psycho. <laughs> and, and like the rest of us, I think basically what happened was they tried to repeat a, a kill as what they did oh, in the nineteen fifties. Used old material. And, yes, and the 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 elder gods were so incensed by it. <laughs> Then they were so incensed that they desecrated the memory of this 1961 with this piece of shit trying to redo it. That they that they said, "Fuck this! You're going to have to kill even more people now." So that's my that's my take. Um, I I love this film. It definitely holds up. Um, 
I, I think it's really fun. I do like the message. I love having my expectations subverted. I, I love when things screw with me like that. And, and, and I love what they did with it. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of Josh Whedon's dialogue and his, his just whole, you know, shtick as it were. And, and hell Marty is like one of the greatest characters ever. There's no two mm-hmm. ways about it. Yeah. Um, and so I'd give it a, I'd, I'd say, I'd say four and three quarters tapes. I'd, I'd like rewind. Oh, you can't, you can't rewind a quarter. Yes, you can. You can record this. No, that means that you, you, you stop. I, I, no, I think that's fine. I, yeah, I rewound it. I, I, I stopped, I stopped like, uh, you know, I missed a little bit of it. I, I, I pulled it out a little too early. Oh, wait. Um, soon. Okay. <laughs> Better than too late. Hey, so anyway, there, there are no rules here. You can rewind or not rewind as much as you want. You just have to make sure you pay the fees. Yeah. So I, I so I, I really enjoyed it, and it, it held up. Which, like and I said, yeah, I had also makes it. the math harder, Paul. <laughs> you you yeah. teach math, Alan. Alan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Well, amazingly, like the bell curve <laughs> that we've seen. I'm going to give this a five because I love this movie so much. Um, I just, I love, I love the tropiness of kids getting killed. I love the stupid, you know, you know, kids getting killed kind of movie, the vibe, you know, and everyone's just dumb and does ridiculous things. The monsters were just beyond. Um, I love stoner humor I love um, movies where everybody dies in the end. It was just so many things that I loved. And so, yeah, I'm giving it a full five. And you know what that brings us to, Paul? 4.55. There you go. Inconceivable. A number that doesn't exist. <laughs> wow. An imaginary I, I, really, I feel bad for your math students, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, well, that's way off topic. But... <laughs> This is adding part of two numbers math, in, I guess. Maybe Bill can do this. What? Adding two what? numbers in your head is like a parlor trick to students. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, oh absolutely. Where, how oh, how did you do that? When I when I do when I do uh multiple. Wait, 13 and 24 is 37. How did you like, do that in your head? God, you're like Rain Man. Right, which <laughs> I think well, is a compliment. I was sort of crossing through all the things that we that I got to on my list. There, there was one thing, and I, I think I talk about this a lot when we talk about horror movies. Um, this movie, if you go on IMDb, it's listed as comedy comma horror. Um, mm. I, I would list this as horror com. You know, it, I guess if if you want to put comedy in there, you can. I hate what I classically consider horror comedy, mm. although. I would put I would like to put this in the category of horror and you know horror comma comedy. I just wish that all movies that people put in the category of horror comedy were yeah. had comedy like this because a lot of movies you put one joke in and all of a sudden you're horror comedy and then you've also got you know the the dumb movies like uh something like uh well and not necessarily dumb because they're entertaining for their their own sake but like something scary like movies. uh or, or like, yeah, or like Toxic Avenger. That's horror well, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, no, but th- these right. are not in, those are not in the same genre to me. Um, I, I mean, they're just not. They're they're not both horror comedy movies. And I I was surprised that and on IMDb, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's alphabetical or what, but to have comedy listed first for this is kind of. Yeah, that uh, seems, that seems a little weird. Kind of strange. Um, I would I agree. I mean, yeah, horror comedy, we could do a whole episode just on horror comedy, mm. everything from. Abbott and Costello, me, Frankenstein to American Werewolf in London are both 
one's a comedy horror and one's a horror comedy. You know, you're right. There's there's different ways of of looking at these things. I mm-hmm. the comedy in this, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel to me like it, it's got a lot of funny bits in it, but the characters well, it's, are it's also, themselves. It's, the comedy is away from the horror. It, it, I mean, I like right. that. that I, I mean, true. I'm, I'm yeah. good with that. I don't like. I don't like to mix my horror and yes, comedy. Yes, yes. Right. I don't know. I thought <laughs> the comedy and horror were mixed. Were, were like, shit. When he gets eaten by the merman, that's it's horrific and funny at the same time. True. True. He's been okay. loving to see it, and he's like, oh, really? And then he gets he gets you know just brutalized by it. So I mean, right. I, I think it's definitely mixed in there. I mean, that is a joke, and it's but it's a joke that's been set up the through the entire right. movie. The right. But I'm, I, well, that, which makes it even that much better. Yeah. It's kind of strange. The only way I knew to describe that is I liked that scene. I would not have liked that scene if he was saying his line while the merman was eating him. Does that make sense? <laughs> you know what I'm talking? I, I, I see what you're saying. It, 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 DLT, you, can... you keep the hot side hot and the cool side cool. That, that's <laughs> oh, God, that's an old reference. You know, no, I actually do see what you're saying now. And it's not like... It's not like him being devoured. Well, I mean, well, you should put yeah. that in your next in your next book about filmmaking. If you're making a horror a comedy, it's like a BLT. Yeah, you got to keep no, it on BLT. BLT. Oh, oh Mick BLT. Yeah, I heard BLT. No D D. Mick DLT. D is in death. Which which it Jason like Alexander was the one who advertised that, by the way. Really? Are you serious? Yeah, you've never. Yeah, he's the one who's dancing down the street, singing about it with his sleeves rolled up on his jacket. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I will also say the. I think the thing, as many jokes as this movie has, I think one of the things that really irks me, especially about a lot of contemporary films, is a lot of writers seem to think that the comedy is just having every character be funny and having every character tell jokes. And mm-hmm. to a certain extent, like you have, you know, you have the two main guys in the facility and they're both kind of telling jokes, but it's also just, that is their personality, right? They kind of have that yeah. gallows humor. And then Marty is obviously kind of, I mean, he's, you know, he's the, the jester, so he's going to be telling jokes, but it's not every single character is not a comedian telling you know just just endlessly right. riffing right so i don't know that i think that's as as grading and i well i shouldn't say grading but as as niche as joss whedon's dialogue can sometimes be i think that in this case he uh you know him and drew goddard did a good job yes. of kind of having the right characters deliver that dialogue instead of having every character just endlessly making jokes yeah mm. not everyone's pithy there it just yeah. it's just, it's just yeah. so i guess uh wrap it up yeah do you want me to oh yeah co-host zach please no, you... no 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 outro, please. but if people have final thoughts then oh yeah final thoughts anyone it's all about the theme <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we should that should be from now on hey, every was, episode what was end the theme again the theme <laughs> Be nice to people or something. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I, I just wanted to point out that uh, Cannibal Change Holocaust Cannibal Holocaust has a rate average rating of 5.9. And hmm. the curve looks a lot like if you took out the the uh, 9% of the people who gave it a lowly one, it would have pretty much the same rating as Cabin in the Woods. Huh. I think Cabin there in the Woods actually, I was looking at that. And I think it has like a 13% ones. That's so, insane. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's just they. They should be ashamed of themselves.
Yep. Well, I'm going to personally contact everyone who rated it a one and send them this podcast, and hopefully they will reevaluate their their thinking there. A Serbian film has a five point. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Lord. Anyways, Alan, you... <laughs> we're not covering a Serbian film. Should I? Uh... <laughs> well, I don't see why. Our not. next film is Sallow. Oh, oh god, that's not even funny. Oh, I need to see that too. Don't you? Uh, oh uh, yeah. Oh, for the love of God, no, you don't. Uh... Anyways, uh, yeah. Does, does anyone have anything else they want to say before we before we sign off? Oh. Uh, well, I, I was gonna. <laughs> All right, we broke Paul. Uh, I was gonna say, you know, I was just gonna make some comment about uh, chocolate and orange marmalade. No, okay. No. <laughs> well, Cabin of the Woods ended with the destruction of the entire world, and I think next time. We're going to see what happens after the end of the world when we cover Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, part three of the Mad Max saga. And uh, And I do get to see Tina Turner in this one, right? Yes. uh, Yes. 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 You you get to see her and you get to hear her perform not one, but two songs. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, Well, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, no, but there is a there is a great uh, music video for for one of her songs. Yeah, so. that's true. And there is also, I believe, uh, who is it? Is it Tupac that had a a music video inspired by this that, that movie? Is right. Which, hmm. yeah, we'll talk about when we get to that. But anyways, um, before then, uh, I think that's it. And uh, so, oh yeah, does anyone want to plug anything? I I feel like Bill's the only one who does ever does that. So. Bill, do you want to talk about your other pod, your other nine podcasts you're on? <laughs> no, it's just there's two other podcasts, uh, Decades of Horror, the 1970s, and Decades of Horror, the 1980s, which are all part of gruesomemagazine.com. Uh, lots of good, and they have lots of good stuff uh, that I'm not part of, but other podcasts that deal with pretty much every decent horror movie that gets released. Um, and, and a good source, because, you know, you go, you're looking for something to watch, you go on Netflix or Shudder or prime and there's so much stuff there you can't trust the star ratings anymore yeah. if they even ha- if they haven't taken them away entirely so it's a good good source to to fi- find out what you need to watch mm-hmm. take care bye take care now. bye night see ya and cut good night All there right. that'll hold the little bastards for a while Hey, thanks for listening to us cover pretty much every scene in The Cabin in the Woods. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did, and we would love to hear your thoughts. Visit us at videostorejunkies.com or hit us up on Twitter at videojunkiespod. And if you enjoyed the episode, leave your own five-tape review on your favorite podcast platform. And join us on our next stop as we head back towards the wasteland. Bill told us about this place called Bartertown, so we grabbed some stuff out of the basement. Alan said something about camels, and I think Zach and Paul might battle it out in the Thunderdome. Anyway, come back in two weeks and see who makes it out alive. The lambs have passed through the gate. They are come to the killing floor. Get this party started! I seriously believe something weird is going on. to stay together. This isn't right. We should split up. Yeah, good idea.
Really? Oh. We gotta get out of here. Somebody sent those things here to get us. You're missing the point. They want to see us punished.